0: does this mean that I ate (laughs) my trampoline in the room? And the doctor said, not really that there was one, but that there could have been one. And I'm like... (laughs) Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm
1: Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends submerge you in a cesspool of spoilers as we explain rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film.
2: Since this is a cesspool for spoilers, this week we will be explaining slash spoiling all of the movie late night. If you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, tune out and tune back in once you've seen it. For other spoiler timestamps, you can check those out on our Instagram and Twitter at We Explain Movies.
0: This is how it goes. We're going to start off with some movies that we watched this week, go to some movie-related questions, the explanation, and then close up with some watch list items and recommendations. Yeah, and so
1: this week, I, Courtney, have seen the movie Late Night. Kimmy and Kayleen have only seen the trailers; so they don't know anything about the plot. I'm going to take them through it step by step, shot for shot, reenact it at some point. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but we always begin with a little aside of what did
0: you guys watch this week? So oh. what did you watch this week? Um, I watched... Oh, I finished Ozark. That's available. You really liked it? I did really like it. There's only two seasons. And um, Netflix says, you know, new season coming soon. Just out now. Coming soon. Courtney and I watched the first episode of Big Little Lies. Oh. And yeah. that was really good. Well, season two. Of season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We also started re-watching the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we and made it
0: we made it through Two
1: and Two Thirds through the trilogy the first oh, trilogy. Yeah. Well the first we watched trilogy. We watched A New Hope and we watched Empire Strikes Back and then we made it about an hour and a half into Return of the Jedi. Oh why?
0: Mm-hmm. What happened? We're just, We're just day. We're just moseying around doing it. So, Kimmy had to go
1: to work. And, yeah. And then she's been gone.
0: Exactly. <laughs> honestly, so, yeah. like alright, I feel like a broken record, honestly, but the music in the movie, makes me so emotional, <laughs> and that shot of Luke looking out over the desert and the two suns in the shot—it's just so beautiful. And the theme plays; it just gets me in the feels. Yeah, y'all. Like, which part has been your favorite
2: upon rewatching?
0: That's a good. I love the part where Han is about to get put in. I was gonna say that. Yeah. When he's about to be frozen, and when he's gonna be frozen, and she says, "I love you." He says, "I know." such a good part. I
1: actually also just really like her unfreezing him. I just, yeah. Leia's such a badass, and her coming in to save the day, and she's got this whole awesome standoff with her and Jabba, like, before yeah. he enslaves her, where mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's dressed as kind of like a bounty hunter herself, and then gets to unfreeze Han, and that's yeah. really awesome.
0: Also, I love the reveal, you know, that Darth Vader is, I know, I think that this is definitely, like, not really a hot take, but the part where Darth Vader is revealed to be Luke's oh, yeah. father. I just I when I was a lot older I realized that's one of the most misquoted lines in cinema history. Oh yeah. 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 I just like every time I watch it I'm, I'm like I'm like how how could someone you know It's funny.
1: I also think that's a thing with Silence of the Lambs.
0: Yes. Of hello Clarice. I don't think he ever says hello Clarice. I don't know, but I think that's I think that's one of them. People yeah. just people like to misquote things. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like there's the one from um it's the Clint Eastwood thing. It's like you feeling lucky punk oh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Something about that's wrong. I haven't seen it so I don't know, but yeah. something about that line is wrong.
1: And, um, or it's like feel lu- feeling lucky punk do ya or something, something Some, like yeah. somebody probably quotes it the, the yeah, wrong yeah. way that you're supposed to. And yeah. yeah, of Luke I am your father when
0: it's really no, I am your father. Yeah. I, yeah. Father. I just love Luke's reaction. He's that's impossible. Yeah, it I is just, over the top. It's yeah. one of
2: those things where, man, that must have been epic to see in real time. Yeah. I like know. we knew. You the know, we always knew
0: biggest twist oh. in cinema history. <laughs> yeah, anything else you watch, Kimmy? Nope.
1: Kayleen. Let's see, I watched Flower again. Oh, oh my gosh, I
2: would love to watch that again. Yeah, yeah. because think was cool that Hulu, it was on Hulu. Yeah, because you said it was on Hulu, and uh, I really loved watching it after having watched so much Parks and Rec, because my impression of him is so skewed in this way, <laughs> you know? of
0: like yeah. Adam Scott.
2: <laughs> and because, I'm just gonna start spoiling Flower here, but... Um, Because I already have seen it, I know everything, which is kind of nice, because I'm never afraid that he's innocent. You think
1: we're watching an unreliable narrator and stuff, and then... When you first see it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, or not, not unreliable narrator, but that she's being fed lies. Yeah. And so, knowing that, yes, it is a lie, but he still did a bad thing, which is, like, the same crime, just to somebody else. Mm Mm-hmm knowing that you're I'm able to in, like almost enjoy it more because I know that there's no possibility of killing an innocent man. Yeah. And when you man watching it that first time and seeing the the because I, I remembered it as being glass from the table, but it's actually his little Eiffel Tower figurine. That, like, Which she, him, like, picks him. up earlier on and Ooh. is like, what's this from? And he's like, it's from my ex-wife. And just that reveal was so shocking the first time because it's like, you think maybe he just died from the drugs or something. Mm-hmm. And then when they push him over, it's like, holy... Fuck. And also they're just a bunch of girls waiting over their heads and it's like yeah. you just killed a
1: man because of a rumor you heard? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, And just that's kind of their whole thing is they're doing these really dangerous things for money and mm-hmm. it could so easily go south with any of the men that they're trying to scheme over. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I think Zoe Deutsch in that movie is phenomenal. She's so charming. She gets in that little fight with her mom where like she's trying not to let her mom's like mean words affect her. Like, about, you know, like, basically you're a brat type of stuff, which Mm -hmm. is... It's a fair argument, but Zoe is trying to, like, blow it off, but she's clearly on the verge of bursting into tears, Mm. and it's amazing. Mm. I think she's a great actress. I like her a lot. And she's fun to watch. So that was fun to rewatch I watched John Wick Mm 2 with everyone. I didn't like it as much as 1. It's not like it was bad, it was just the plot was a lot thinner, Mm -hmm. and, um... There was less talking, which it's not like that's the downfall, but it, it was clear that they just realized one was successful and had to make something, come like, come up with something for two. Yeah. And the end of two seems like it's going to lead into something much more interesting for three, and I have heard some people say they like three better than two. So we'll see. And I think it'll be fun to watch it in theaters, whereas my TV and the sound mixing of this movie don't go together because it's Mm -hmm. such quiet talking mixed with such big explosions and and gunshots, and it was horrible. So I'm excited to see the third one in theaters. I think everything else I watched with Courtney. So we watched Winter Soldier. Yeah. It's such a good movie for fights.
0: Their fights are so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They re- like, they're all so creative.
1: They put so much effort into all of them. Mm-hmm. I love them. The
0: fights in Civil War are pretty dope, too. They are, yeah.
1: I'm excited, because, yeah, because we're rewatching the whole thing. I'm most excited for Ultron, which is next. I love yeah, Ultron. I, I love Ultron wait. so
2: much. <laughs> also, I just, we can't not mention this. Courtney and I just keep talking about how much they really were hardcore making Scarlet. Oh my gosh. The flirty Avenger. And there's this part where she talks about getting shot by the Winter Soldier back in the day, and she lifts up her shirt, and there's a scar, like, on her, like, abdomen. That looks exactly like if someone stabbed you with a pencil. It's not very big. It's about that size. And she goes, yeah, this is where he shot me. Bye-bye bikinis. (laughs) And we're like, you can't what
0: (laughs) you can still you can still still wear bikinis bikinis.
2: you're a 10 bitch (laughs) and you
0: got one
1: tiny flaw and so then we were watching the next day. two tiny flaws two tiny flaws she can't (laughs) (laughs) because she was shot in the ovary (laughs) um the the next day we watched guardians of the galaxy volume one and in it you know the, the, the guardians are getting super beat up and I think at one point, like, one of them gets shot or something, we were making jokes about, like, Chris Pratt getting shot, and we were just like, bye-bye board shorts, <laughs> like, that he can't wear just that anymore, and we got really into it. Yeah. Yeah, she was hardcore, the Flirty Avenger, and it was such Kiss a- Kiss me so they don't murder us. It was such a bummer to watch, you know, yeah. like, he walks into a room, and she's got her, her butt sticking way out on the computer, and she goes, this is awkward, and That's... it's like, why? He just walked into a room! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's how you do com- computers.
2: Yeah, and there was a chair right there. Yeah. we we were um, making we're like sit down, sit down. You look uncomfortable. It just makes
1: me sad. I'm like, you don't deserve this, Scarlett Johansson. Like, just because you're pretty doesn't mean to be ov- overly sexualized. It's not fair. And yeah. and it's also just that like by
2: now, you know, once now that we're at the end of the road and everything, they've finally. I mean, like we talked about in our simply spoilers episode, they finally gave her actual depth, and they were mm. like, these are all your friends, whereas back then it was like, ooh, maybe I'll be with this guy, maybe I'll Which be with Which one will this she guy. choose?
1: Oh, well, accidentally we wrote Hawkeye a wife, so not him. Bruce yeah. is next. Give her Bruce! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we watched that. And then we watched American Dreams. Mm. <laughs> with a Z.
0: Oh, you guys did? Yeah. Oh, you didn't think we did? No, I didn't know why you guys were talking about oh, it so yeah. much.
1: We were talking about it because we watched it. You invited me to her home. <laughs> To watch Sat it? me down and I put did. on
2: American Dreams. I said, Courtney, we're doing this, and you're going to like it, and Kimmy, it changed Courtney's
1: life. <laughs> not, no, not at all. Okay, did.
2: she won't stop talking about it. I keep being like, Courtney, stop texting me about American Dreams. That's not it. <laughs> Tell all. Tell me truth. your
0: thoughts. Was it the equivalent of you showing us what What I forgot? No, because going. even Kay- Kayleen wasn't
1: even as jazzed about me showing Drop Dead Gorgeous. You were like, it's going to be fun. Whereas Drop Dead Gorgeous is like, you better like it or I'll kill you. <laughs> Um,
2: that's, that's true. I wasn't like, if you don't like this, you can't be my friend. I was like, I know it's not good, but like, if you don't laugh, I'll stab you. And honestly is my,
1: (laughs) there were times I laughed. I would say what I laughed at and what I wanted the movie to be, because I also went into it under some weird impression where I thought you had said it was a mockumentary. Oh. So I expected a mockumentary and the second the movie starts, that's not what it was. And so instantly all my dreams were crushed and I was like, oh, okay, we're watching like a 2000s movie. Like it's you just thought maybe because I related it to Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah, and, and I think that was just my own, uh, bias going into yeah. it, is that I thought that's what it was. Um, what I liked about it was anytime things were over-the-top ridiculous, and that's what I wanted. I wanted the movie to yeah. go there and be ridiculous, but instead it had a plot. Yeah. <laughs> and I hated the plot so much. It was bad and racist, and I didn't like it, but then yeah. <laughs> everything about it that was silly, like, I wanted more of the contestants being silly. I wanted, mm. um, I, I, I really just wanted a spoof, and yeah. I, I didn't get that, um, and I thought Dennis Quaid shouldn't have been in it, <laughs> because <laughs> I forgot you saying he was in it, and then uh, he's ruined for me now, so <laughs> that was hard to watch, and I... There's I'm, a lot yeah. of
2: people that I forgot were in this, Kimmy. It's a stacked it cast. It was actually
1: really funny when we were watching the opening credits, I cheered every time I saw someone's name that I knew, and the cheers got increasingly louder. Because <laughs> yeah. I really don't like Hugh Grant, and that's the first name that comes up. And I was He's like, the star. I have to watch Hugh Grant. But then Mandy Moore came on, and I was like, ooh hoo And then Dennis Quaid came on, and I was like, what? And then Seth Meyers, and I got really excited. Jennifer Coolidge. But they didn't give her anything to do, and yeah. that's a waste. She is one of the funniest people, and they didn't use her. I did forget how big of a character
2: Seth Myers was, though. That was fun. He Back then, I didn't know who that was, really. What's funny is I cheered Willem
1: for... Willem Defoe. Oh yeah, that was awful. <laughs> Willem
0: Defoe is in it? He plays yeah.
1: Dick Cheney. Um, Except he's not named that, but it's he is. He yeah. looks exactly like Dick Cheney. Yeah, I, I cheered when I saw Seth Meyers' name and I was like, yay! And then the movie went on for about 35 minutes and I just kept watching and I was like, oh cool, Seth Meyers in it! And then I kept watching and about at the 45 minute mark, I was like, Kayleen, when is Seth Green coming on? <laughs> she was like, he's not in this. And I was like, I cheered when I saw his name she was no, you shit for Seth Meyers, and you already—he's already on screen—and I was like, oh,
0: uh-huh. I "Really, thought <laughs>
1: Seth Green?" <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I thought about American Dreams. Not enough Seth Green. <laughs> More like American Greens.
0: <laughs> Get out. I,
1: I will say the funniest part was that song the "American song is Dreams" so nice. with a Z, but otherwise, and
2: because she sings it so seriously.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't like the movie, <laughs> and it didn't change my life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: well,
2: and then we watched Guardians
1: of the Galaxy.
2: Mm-hmm. I watched that movie way after it came out, and I know when that movie came out, it kind of changed the game for Marvel because yeah. it was the first like straight up comedy in that way, and everyone loved it and thought it was so funny. Mm-hmm. And I saw it way too long after that, and so the hype for me was real and it didn't live up to my expectations. And it's not that I never it's not that I ever disliked it. I just expected something a lot more life-changing. Yeah. And it didn't do that for me, and then I watched it again sometime after that. Kind of felt the exact same about it, but watching it now, I feel like this about all the Marvel movies, after being mm. this into the universe, that I just love watching these characters... Yeah. And I had the most fun time watching this movie this time around than I have before at all.
1: And there's so much more emotion to it than you expect. And we, we
2: yeah. on our Endgame episode, were talking about how much more they do for Rocket in Endgame, but then we realized they actually give him a lot in the first Guardians. They gave
1: Rocket, like, a he huge a backstory. Really he has <laughs> sad part. And yeah. that was awesome, because Guardians 2, that's not what we get. And yeah. so my mind was kind of just focused on that, and I, I watched... Infinity Mm -hmm. War with that lens of uh, Guardians 2, because also in Infinity War, he's not not as invested. um, So that was awesome to see. And just seeing Gamora and Peter's relationship blossoming and starting Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like a tragic end or something later on. um, That was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Except for our DVD from
2: the library was skipping out. We missed a whole chapter. Wow. Right? Yeah. And uh, that's all I watched.
1: Alrighty. So I had a straight up movie day. Wherein I went to the theater, and I just bopped around, and I had, I got so
0: lucky, it was like- You were a movie drifter. I wasn't a drifter. I <laughs> I, I actually
1: used my my, my stubs, and oh, okay. I, I, I reserved seats each time. Why not? You get three Wait, free movies a week, I did it. It'll let you do it in one day? Yes. Oh, I was under the impression it would
2: only let you do one a day. You're
1: allowed to do three a day, but not for the same movie. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I saw Late Night, which I will be discussing today. And then I hopped over to Men in Black International, which was fun. It was just a fun, fun time. Fun is the operative word. Like, just go to have fun. It seems like, let's watch these good-looking people have fun. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to watch a hot person shoot a gun? Have I got a show for you. (laughs) Um, And then I ended on a stupid note of watching Godzilla King of the Monsters, because I was like having weird FOMO of like, maybe I should see this movie. Maybe it is actually something that'll be we of importance. We were within its grasps at the premiere. Yeah, we were right there for the premiere. So, I saw it. It's not a good movie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, it's, what, exactly, it's exactly what you'd expect. Um, yeah. I really wish I had been watching it at home, able yeah. to talk over it and share my thoughts, because there were so many thoughts that I had tumbling through my mind. And also because those kids had no trouble talking over it from yeah, what you said. Yeah, I was in a theater with so many children that oh. were screaming at the top of their lungs, oh, that's <laughs> and annoying. not not even like good things. It wasn't like "Go get him, Zilla." It if was it, like were they like hot dog. No, it was like she took my popcorn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so those that's what I watched this week. It was a good movie week. Awesome. I had a fun time. Jumping over to questions. Yes. So the questions this week, we always do questions related to the movie we're discussing, where we share our thoughts on other, like, films or concepts or ideas. Mm -hmm. So today, as we are discussing Late Night, written by Mindy Kaling, I decided it would be fun to start with a little bit of office talk
0: Mm -hmm. uh
1: so maybe we'll put it's not like we don't need to do spoiler timestamps for this but maybe we'll do like a nice chunk of here's what we're gonna talk about for the office so check our -hmm. our timestamps if you don't watch the office uh we're gonna my first question is uh what is your favorite episode of the office and you can have honorable mentions and you can say multiples because i need
0: to i can't just say one so should we start with the noob Yeah, I know the least about The Office, um, which is a sad... Unfortunately. Yeah, it is is unfortunate. (laughs) Your life is worse for it. Uh, Oh, my God. And you know what? (laughs) It's unfortunate. I I don't really think I have a favorite episode on the whole. I have, like, favorite moments throughout. nice, yeah. So I guess I did pick one for the sake of this question, but I'm just saying that if I, you know had as much knowledge as you guys about all the episodes, I maybe might not pick this one, Mm -hmm. but my honorable mention is the moment where Pam has the art show Mm -hmm. and the only person who shows up is Michael and he's just so overwhelmingly impressed with her work and that just gets me in the feels, you guys.
2: Yeah. Especially after Oscar came up and didn't notice she saw him and, and was just tearing her, her apart. art. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And and Roy is also there, and Roy's like, "Babe, I saw your art show. Your art was the best art of all the art. Can <laughs> yeah. I
0: leave now?" Yeah, I love that moment. Yeah, um, it's such
1: a nice glimpse into their relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of where their relationship starts, which is awesome. Um, but the episode that I picked is called "Stress Relief." Yeah. Do you know what season it's Season from? five, and it's a two-parter. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. Okay. That's okay. No, it's stress relief part one and stress relief part two. Oh, well, I think this one because the, the opening is, like, so good. It's the <laughs> one where Dwight is not okay with everybody's emergency... Preparedness. Uh, preparedness. Yeah. So he, you know, lights a fire and, like, Angela throws her cat <laughs> through the ceiling and... Everybody panics. It's great. Yeah, that's hands then, down my
1: favorite cold open.
0: It's oh, really? so yeah. good. Safe bandit. Yes. <laughs> and then later on, uh, they have a CPR professional come in, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. they do the whole staying alive bit where they're all singing, and then Andy gets up and he starts singing, <laughs> and then fucking Dwight cuts his face off <laughs> of and the dummy. The, Hello, the Clarice. And he's like... Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that's
1: just... It didn't seem realistic in the movie. Turns out it's pretty realistic. <laughs>
2: So, I definitely also, when trying to answer this question, I think of moments before I think of full episodes. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think my favorite episodes, and this is not like a crazy take, I feel this way about a lot of things, but my favorite is when they can combine really funny material with also really heartwarming material. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's a an episode with really good funny moments, but then also a really nice Jim and Pam moment, like, that's the best. Yeah. For me. Um, so, like, honorable mentions and, and favorite moments. My favorite prank is phone in the ceiling. That whole, and it pretty <laughs> much takes up the whole episode, because it keeps- it does. Like, coming throughout. And it just cracks me up. And Andy's
1: wall punch is referenced later on in the yeah. series as
2: well. And just everything that he says cracks me up. How it's like, maybe it's in the ceiling. Maybe you're in the ceiling. And how Phyllis <laughs> shuts her drawer and he's like, I don't, I trust, trust, you, <laughs> I don't trust you, Phyllis. I trust you, Phyllis. <laughs> I love it so much. And, and just Jim's face when he puts the phone down after he punches the mm-hmm. wall. It's great. <laughs> Uh, but my my top two episodes are Casino Night and Booze Cruise, <laughs> because Casino Night I love because we do get such great Jim and Pam stuff, and that one is also really funny. It's when he brings both of the women on accident. And has to figure out what to do about it, Michael. (laughs) And it's like, it's just so great, because he doesn't know how to be a human in general, let alone handle a situation like that. Yeah. And I just like the whole vibe of that episode. They're, you know, they're doing something different. It's not all in the office. Most of it is, I mean, it's in the office, but it's in the warehouse, which we don't really spend much time there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Booze Cruise I love, that one also has a lot of great stuff like that. Like, he dumps Amy Adams in that episode, and it's (laughs) pretty harsh. And uh there's like good stuff with Roy in that one too and just uh isn't that Michael's the... dance number?
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: And the
1: the host of the booze cruise it's is Rob hilarious. Riggle. <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. Yeah. So, I was thinking that. It's so yeah. But um so those two I I really really love.
1: I like that you guys shared your moments cuz I definitely have moments that are huge for me and I yeah. I always kind of divide it into like my favorite cold open and my favorite cold open is The fire, Mm -hmm. with an honorable mention to the the lip dub to that song, Nobody. Oh, yeah. That was super fun. Um, And then with moments, I have my favorite moments, like, of Jim proposing to Pam at the gas station. That's my favorite moment. And then my, which is weird, though, because my favorite Jim and Pam moment is different Oh, my favorite Jim and Pam moment is when her veil is torn at their wedding. Oh my gosh, what a good and moment! And she's crying, and she says, "I don't, I don't look perfect." And he grabs scissors and cuts his tie in half, and, mm. and just shrugs. And so the and two she of takes them, a picture with and, her. And fingers. she's crying and takes her mental picture, and just I like I want their exact wedding. I, just, I want that experience. <laughs> see, it's like it's the little things like that
2: that really make their relationship feel real mm-hmm. because. Yes, obviously that was written in and they had time to think about it as writers. But, like, those are the beautiful as things. As writer, that was Mitty
1: Kalings. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I to say. But, like, those are the little things in a relationship that make you really love somebody. It's <laughs> like when they know you well enough to know, all I have to do to make you happy is do one little thing. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know? It's just, and and it's so effortless, too, because it's, Jim's focus is Pam. Yeah. It is their day together as one, and it doesn't matter. And I just, that's why they go and they get married on The Maid of the Mist instead of with everyone else, because it's about their love. Mm -hmm. And, like, a fun fact is that they did obviously have to shoot that at Niagara Falls, whereas all the other parts of the wedding that was filmed in Los Angeles... But they did have to film that in Niagara Falls, and so only Jim and Pam, Aww. only Jenna and John flew to Niagara Falls to film that. That's so it cool. really was, like, a separate thing for the two yeah. of them to do together. And so then, my favorite episodes, I mean, all of them, obviously, <laughs> but um, that's my number one show. I love it so much. My, my favorite episodes, you know, it, they change, but at the moment, and, like, what's been consistently for a while, is Weight Loss. Weight Loss Parts 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. This is two-parter. We get Holly coming in. We get Jim obviously proposing to Pam. We get my favorite Creed line of all time when he sells Kelly a tapeworm and she's talking about what the tapeworm's going to do in her body. And it's the last line of the episode before the credits roll and it just cuts (laughs) to Creed and he goes, that wasn't a tapeworm. Um, And then I also love Niagara, which is Jim and Pam's wedding. But then I think what when it comes down to, like, of what I always want to restart with is the Dundies, which Aww. is the season two premiere. Pam gets really drunk in the Chili's during the awards show. She kisses Jim, which is, like, a fun thing that, like, mm-hmm. most people don't remember that Pam does kiss Jim first, because she's really yeah. drunk, and she's really giddy, and she, uh, And he <laughs> takes it so well. He's like, he okay, takes it so I know well. not to make anything of that. Yeah. I just need to help this drunk girl out. Yeah, so I I, I absolutely love Dundies. I think it's a very funny episode. I feel God in this Chili's tonight is, like, yeah. the best line ever written <laughs> by Mindy Kaling. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, we talked all about The Office, because Mindy Kaling actually wrote the most number of episodes for The Office. Second question, because this is a movie all about women in the workplace, we are going to ask the question of, what movie do you enjoy that is about women in the workplace? where The, a lot of the, the focus movie, is yeah. her career and
0: moving forward in it. Okay, so my my honorable mention is 13 going on 30. Oh, (laughs) fair. Because that's kind of, a big portion of the movie is her doing the magazine job, I think. Uh Big time, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's kind
2: of how she, I mean, she doesn't know if she's gonna get turned back into a 13-year-old, so she kind of, like, realizes she needs to deal with this if she's gonna stay here. Yeah,
0: and if I recall back to our Isn't It Romantic episode, I love 13 going on 30 because she kind of just accepts the world. Yeah. You know, and like, that's what I was kind of waiting for, and isn't it romantic for Rebel Wilson to just be like, alright, this is my life so we can get past the, why is this happening shit? Because that's so like, you know, done out, I don't care anymore, like, accept it. Yeah. And, you know, 13 going on 30, she's like, I'm 30. Yeah, yes. I'm gonna wear 30-year-old clothes. Yeah, and it's she's got that backstory of like it was an
1: autopilot life. Like she she had a life. It wasn't that she like jumped into an alternate universe. Yeah. And in that life, her character only cared about her career.
0: Yeah, like mm-hmm. she
1: wanted to get ahead. She wanted to be mm-hmm. doing yes. that.
0: Yeah. Um, but my real pick. Um, and she's not in the workplace during the movie, but she is doing the job for the entirety of the movie. Mm-hmm is Emily Blunt in Sicario. Oh! Ooh. Yeah. Dark. Dope performance. So good. Dope movie. Great cinematography. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the second one. I really don't care to see it. Uh, don't. She's not in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I haven't seen it. What is her job? She's an agent. FBI agent. Yeah. Oh, cool. And yeah. she's in action, and, you know, I, I like that she's not like a stoic oh, nothing affects me, I'm bulletproof kind of person. Yeah. She gets scared, and she's out of her comfort zone, mm-hmm. and but she puts on a tough face anyways because she's in a male-dominated field, mm-hmm. and she also is very passionate about, you know, being a part of the um, stakeout or whatever. I don't know the terminology, but um, I don't know. Her performance is fucking rad. It's incredible, and, like,
1: the fact that what her job is and what should be scaring her, like, the, the actual criminals that she's hunting down and facing don't end up being the scariest part of her job mm-hmm. and of what is affecting her. Oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah. That's exciting. It's mm-hmm. a good pick, Kimmy. Mean. Yeah. See, <laughs> so yeah, I, like, had a hard time with it because I was, I, I feel like I know a lot more movies where it's, like, a woman doing a, a job that is hard to call a job, but she is mm-hmm. working a job yeah. the entire time. Like, Arrival, you could say the same thing.
0: She is yeah. there to be
1: a, a, ling- a linguist and yeah. to, to figure out what these aliens are saying. I just kind of am saving a rival for another time when I can talk about yeah. it more in depth. Yeah. And so I'm not going to say that researching today.
0: researching my answer for this question, I kind of didn't really know. I mean, I knew, like, conceptually that this must be true, but there's such a genre as a career movie. Yeah. yeah like, I guess Wolf of Wall Street is considered a career movie. And yeah. there's so much crossover between genres, too, yeah. if you really start dissecting
2: that it gets... You, you kind of forget about things like that. Yeah. There are so many career-focused movies, but if you're just picturing an office, you'll forget about a lot of them. Yeah,
1: so I have two honorable mentions, and one really ties to Sicario, just because that is her job, and that's what her main focus is, is Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a PI, and so that's what she's doing at all times. I love Veronica Mars, and I thought they did a great job with the movie, and in terms of her, like, having to work on a case the whole 90 minutes. Same thing with my other honorable mention of Miss Congeniality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a... That's a woman who's an FBI agent trying to do her job. And it's it's a great movie. Yeah. It just feels so much more comedic. And for some reason, my mind isn't, like, wrapping around the question that well of, like, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. So, like, the one that I do pick, and that I think really feels similar to Late Night, in a lot of ways, is In a World. <gasps> I've seen that! Yeah! I don't think I've seen that. It's a great movie. This is... Sorry, I just
2: want to tell this story really quick, because I really like this story. I think that yeah. I, I've told you. I, I was reading some book. I for the life of me, could not tell you what book it was now, but I was reading some book, I think maybe it was like senior year of high school, and in the book, the character talks about how her and her mom would do this thing where they would go to a movie theater and they would go see whatever the next movie was that was playing. And so when Dakota and I first started dating, we decided to go to the indie movie theater and to go pick the next movie that was playing, mm-hmm. and at the time, Short Term 12 was in theaters, and we had not seen that yet, and he really <laughs> wanted that to end up being what was playing next, and he, like, tried to manipulate it so that we would go see that one, and I was like, no, we're playing this game by the book, and the next showing was In a World, so we saw that just for fun on a whim. We had, awesome. knew nothing about it.
1: That's a really fun story because did you like it? It was a good movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's such a, a specific idea. Yeah. Of um, Lake Bell is a voiceover artist and she's, uh, or a voice actress, yeah. and she is working in the industry, the daughter of the main movie guy who used to always narrate trailers with mm. the phrase, in a world. Yeah. And,. So now it's obviously, like, the early 2000s, and so we're kind of past that. That was more like an 80s and 90s thing. This is 20 years later. Yeah. And they, the film industry decides that they're going to bring that phrase back, and they're looking for the next person who's going to do it for, like, this Hunger Games-esque movie. They want the trailer to say, in a world. And so she really wants it. She wants to get it. and um, It's also a it's male-dominated a, It's a hugely male-dominated, field. yeah. It's a male-dominated industry, and so she... She's also sadly like the daughter of somebody who was mm-hmm. so famous, and so it's really hard to step out of that shadow. And it's it's a great movie of of her also starting her own business to teach women how to yeah. speak properly and how to use their professionally. voice professionally to use the to use their voice to their advantage. It's, it's really a unique concept and uh, done well That's of, a good of a woman in the workplace. Yeah. Okay, so my picks, my honorable mention
2: and it, it's my honorable mention because it is so rom-comy but it does take place and what what incites the action is both of the characters trying to get ahead in their careers is set it up that movie I again that with, one, yeah. with
1: Zoe do i liked how much it was about their careers uh, yeah and i yeah it, i haven't seen that oh
2: it's good and uh, and it's also cuz both uh, both zoe and Lucy Liu's characters are women who are trying so to advance driven. their careers well, yeah. And also, their office is just really appealing. It's fun to spend the movie there, you <laughs> yeah. know, and to watch how they work and and their chemistry as coworkers too. It's mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but my actual pick, and the internet helped me with this one, so it's it's very different from Set It Up. But Hidden Figures,
1: ah, uh, <laughs> because it, yeah. the whole
2: movie does take place in the workplace, and it is a real story. And it I've only seen it that one time, but it was so compelling mm-hmm. to watch. First of all, just the math talk I find very interesting and how, how much of this, A, of this story I didn't know, but also just about this kind of space and uh, astronomy math and just like how she says, like, I need to be in those meetings because every day the numbers and the, th- the information we need is changing. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's crazy that what you're trying to do is changing, like, if you don't go in there at that meeting the next day it's irrelevant information right like yeah. what are you
1: trying to accomplish with only giving me it's a quarter of crazy. the information do you want him to come back from space or not <laughs>
2: right and <laughs> yeah. and obviously there's just such beautiful scenes in that movie and and um she does an excellent job it's, it's really good
0: yeah good job you guys those are some awesome <laughs> <laughs> look at those women go look at those roles for women in workplace yeah. Movies, good job. Because now <laughs> we're
1: getting to late night, and if this movie is anything, it is a movie about women in the workplace. <laughs> um, so, to start off every explanation, the two who have not seen it are going to tell me what do you think this film is about, and what predictions do you have?
0: Uh, I honestly think that the trailer gives a lot away.
1: Can you kind of give me a recap of the trailer? Emma it was Thompson... a terrible trailer.
0: yeah. Emma Thompson is some talk show host who right. is very popular, but she's kind of a brat boss, and um, all of the male writers keep getting fired or something. And she and she's getting a lot of scrutiny because of ratings or something like that. And she said, "You're going to be canceled unless like you can't get your ratings up." And she says, "What I need to do is." get more representation and female energy in the Someone writing who's room. younger, too, right? So they get Mindy Kaling in there, and there's a couple racist comments about her being Indian, and that, you know, I just don't think that's really tasteful. I,
2: I, it kind of it feels like, because you said Mindy wrote this, yeah? Yes. So it kind of feels like how there was that Michael J. Fox show, how it's like, I'm going to make jokes about myself at my own expense, because then it's okay. So it kind of feels like it's going to be like that. And, and it also seemed like she, from what I got, she's like a, a huge fan. And it seems like mm. kind of she ends up getting to be her friend in a bigger way than she thought. And so then they like slay New York together. And yeah, like they, they kill the industry. Yeah, good job.
0: Yeah, I'm just really kind of sick of these on the nose quote feminist movies mm. coming out. I am a huge feminist, and I love more female representation in film, a lot like the movies that we just spoke about where they're just women, you know, doing the jobs, and they're fucking awesome at it. Like, you know, why do we have to have these movies where it's like, we're women, we're working, we're the main characters of the film because we're women. It's like, make a good fucking movie that the main (laughs) character just happens to be a female. Short Term 12, great, great fucking movie. And the lead is a female, it's not because she's a female. I just, I just, you know, so I had not really any interest in seeing this movie. I love that she's out there writing and starring in her own stuff. I think that's wonderful, but she's a talented writer, she's a talented actress, I'm sure that she could come up with something a little bit more complex and dynamic Mm -hmm. for more females to have roles like that.
2: And it's, I don't know, I feel a little, in in a way I feel that I'm getting too snobby, where it's like, I can't, I can't just go to something and go, oh, that was a movie. It's like, I want you to bring me here for another reason. rather Absolutely. than Rather than just, it's you guys doing a movie. Like, two actresses I like. Late night, it's gonna have to get me some good one-liners, because
1: that's what a movie like Set It Up relies on, is stuff yeah. that makes me chuckle. Or stuff that was cute because that movie had such cute to it. Mm. It, Like the pizza thing and set it up. Yeah. um, uh, she was beautiful and and, uh one of the other like intimidating but beautiful, intimidating but but soft. She is a goddess, she is everything
0: I want in this world. And the other is a man. <laughs> yeah, it's just, no. yeah, that was such a good line. I just like don't think that it's very hard to write, you know, complex rules for women. We do it for men all the time. I don't understand. <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm totally on my soapbox here, but like we just watched Booksmart, and oh, yes. I feel like it could have been interchangeable between, you know, a male and a female experience, but it wasn't a film about. Them being young women, you know, because they're women, it was about two best friends being best friends, being best friends, having an graduating experience. high school. Mm-hmm. You know, they're nerds it's and they the want to have a last yeah. hurrah, and like that's the shit I like. Yeah, you know, that's what I need. Yeah, I don't. I just don't think that it's very hard. I, I don't just know why it doesn't happen more.
2: I feel like this movie is just going to poke at itself a lot. It's yeah. going to say. This is us doing this. Like, it it really seems like Emma Thompson going, Man, have you seen that I'm older? And so my show is not working. I need someone younger. I want a female.
0: We're gonna write better. (laughs) Yeah. My hopes, I guess I can, like, you know, digress into... It's gonna be hard to write better, because men are gonna try to put you down. Yeah. I mean, so I'll digress into, like, my predictions... This is my hope for the film. I don't think that I think that I'm going to be let down a little bit, but I really hope that Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling become best friends, and that's what the movie's about. Their friendship and the development of that, and how them working together strengthens each other and cancels out each other's flaws, and to support each other in that way. And I also predict. That Emma Thompson gets fired anyways. Mm. Give me a minute mark at what point you want them to become BFFs.
1: Oh. One. <laughs> One minute. I don't even think they will have met by then. No, I think that they... Give they're... me a realistic minute mark of when you want them to be best friends. How 40. long is the
0: movie? 40. Uh, two hours. It's 40. Two hor- yeah, 40's good. Okay. Yeah, I want them to spend a majority of the time, like, doing... I want it to be but a buddy film. Maybe you know? it'll
2: be like the Devil Wears Prada, where it's more like... We're never really friends, but we always were.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't think that's the vibe of this film. Oh, maybe there is, like, some higher form of mentorship that she's kind of testing Mindy Kaling with. But I kind of just hope that they are, you know, wearing slippers and... Watching movies together.
2: Ooh, okay. I'm gonna. You know. Why, Kimmy?
0: Because that's what women do. We <laughs> wear slippers and we
1: watch movies together. That's, okay, that, that's gonna, what we do. <laughs> I'm gonna
2: make some outlandish predictions. Not outlandish in that they are impossible, but just that they don't seem like they're gonna happen. <laughs> okay. So let's go with they have a pillow fight sometime during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want them to both have sex with the same man, but then it's not a big deal. Like they were both like, "Oh, no way! Wasn't he hot? Yeah. Like, how would you feel about this thing? Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's nice. And that they don't care. And... I hope that
0: none of them has sex. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I just hope that there's, like, no romantic Ooh. shit in this movie at all.
2: I want someone to cry. I want someone to have a mental breakdown about something. And I want the other woman to be what gets her out of her mental breakdown.
0: Oh Okay. Yeah, that's, the, that's what I want. I don't want
2: a man to help her. I want a woman to help her.
0: Yeah. Yes. I hope men are extraneous in this film. I hope they get fired left and right. So I'm so glad you guys are on board for this movie. (laughs) And that you're clearly gonna love it. Really,
1: all I can say about it is that I and you and everyone who watches it will feel lukewarm about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. It is the kind of movie you watch on an airplane. that's a good description. Yeah, yeah. It is the kind of movie that your mom TiVos for you and then says, oh, I would TiVo that because you like that one, girl. Do you want to watch it? <laughs> and I know no one uses TiVo anymore, <clears throat> but that's the word in my opinion. But that's the era. Yeah. That I want. Kiki uses TiVo. And she would watch Late Night. You want to watch Late Night? Okay. So, how we're going to spice up this episode is that I have a lot of fun facts. Great. The movie opens with Katherine Newberry, the first ever female late night host. Okay. Which is still true to this day. I, I'm really upset that we don't have a female late night host. Chelsea Lately. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean mainstream major network. You know, like Conan or Jimbo. No, yeah. where or, yeah. where it's been passed down. She has her own show, but oh, I'm talking I about see. late okay. night or the late show or the late, late show. Which one's the Late Late Show? Whichever one, whoever's on, I don't know. I think Late Late is James so. I guess 40. I guess we have we have yeah. both of the Jimmys, we have Seth, and we have James. Yeah, yeah. And okay. like in the past, we've had obviously Jay. We've, in the past, Leno. we've had Jay Leno, yeah. we've had Conan O'Brien, we've had now we have Colt Bear, we have Seth Meyers. Conan we have so still many. goes, I think. Yeah. So we've had so many, and we've never had a woman. We've had Kristen Bell guest host, and I think yeah, it is time that we had one. But that's really not even what this film is pushing. Either way, she is being awarded some American Comedy Award, and it opens with her at the award show, she gives a speech, um, and then afterwards, she goes to a bar by herself, and she gets a drink, and she sits in a booth like she's just any old gal. Uh, and then Riggin from Birdman shows up. No. Good <laughs> guess, though. So she goes to a bar, and as she's in the bar, she sees on TV, Ike Baronholtz, Which you guys would know him if you saw him. He's from the Mindy Project. Mm -hmm. He was on that show. And he's been a character actor in many other things. He's playing a stand-up comedian in this universe named... I almost called him David Tennant. Named Daniel Tennant. Oh. And she's watching him on TV giving a stand-up special. And it is culturally insensitive and very bad. It's not funny. Mm. Then the next morning we are at the office and she's having a conversation with her assistant slash producer and he's talking to her about some other network organizer head or a CEO of some company, and he's like, did you read the article about so-and-so? And she pulls the article up, and it says... As a female CEO, and Emma Thompson is, you know, upset about that. She's like, never sought a sentence with as a female. Yeah, yeah. It's coming across as, like, aggressive and, like, mad that another woman is climbing to the top and, like, drawing attention to the, se- the fact that she's a woman. Mm. She's like, don't ever do that. You don't need to do that. This guy comes in to her office, and it's some just random TV writer, and she's just like, who are you? And he introduces himself, and he's just like, so, you know my wife just had another baby, I know you know that, and she doesn't. She doesn't care about her employees at all. And he's like, and so I think it's time that I asked for a raise. I would like a raise. And then we get this really fun commentary that I actually liked of, so what you're saying is you are a 1950s sexist, is what she's saying to him. She's like, you are a 1950s misogynist, wherein you've done no extra work, you've not progressed in your work at all, but you think because your family is growing, you deserve more money. Mm-hmm. Do you realize that that is how women were forced to stay in their house in the 1950s, and men were off getting jobs to pay for these things? And she's like, you know what you're kinda like? You're kinda like a drug addict. And well- he goes, excuse me? She goes, think about it. like. Drug addicts have this habit that they need to fulfill. You, you just keep churning out these kids, and you need more money. But you're not willing to do anything more for the money. And he goes, did you just call my child a drug problem? (laughs) And she goes, you're fired. (laughs) So she's really just kind of like an off-the-rocker type of person. She'll just fire people willy-nilly. So Kayleen, get ready for a lot of men to be fired.
2: (laughs) Um, She's also like, "Um, I'm sorry, your wife did 95% of everything. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Making those babies. So on his way out, he says you know what? You hate women. You have no female writers on the entire staff. You can't sit here and claim that, you know, sexism is what got me my job and what is why I deserve a raise when you don't hire any women. Good for him. Yeah, and then he leaves. Um, So then she starts talking to her assistant who is Dennis O'Hare, the guy from American Horror Story. Oh,
0: that's her assistant? That's her assistant.
1: Oh, the guy that's burnface. Yes, yep. and he like he plays multiple characters. Like he's in every season, isn't he? I think he's yeah. in. He's that's in just in most the one seasons. I think of him yeah. first. So that's him, and she says, "I love women," and he kind of is silent. And then she goes, "I love Mary Tyler Moore. I love Gilda Radner," and he All goes, these "Older women." And he goes, "They're both dead." Yeah. And she says, "Fine, find me a woman writer." Smash cut to yeah, Mindy Kaling standing outside of the studio. She's reciting some lame quote to herself like. He who dreams it, something, something. So anyway, she's reciting <laughs> some quote to herself, and a bag of trash gets thrown in her face. Mm. Ha ha ha, comedy. This is <laughs> in New York, right? It's in New York. Okay.
0: So. Who else are their trash bags?
1: That get thrown into people's faces. Also, people only work in New York, you guys. She's in the lobby of this office, waiting to be interviewed, and there are five men that just swarm around this other guy to coach him on his interview. So it's all the people who are already writers on the staff, all huddling around one of their younger brothers. And so they're just coaching him. And, yeah. and Mindy Kaylee is obviously over, she's eavesdropping. And yeah. they look at her and she kind of looks away. She gets called in for the interview first. And here's what I liked about the story, which is kind of an aside. It's It's really not too much in depth. But she got this interview because she worked in a chemical plant. Ooh. And like the two of those, that makes no sense. And I was really nervous of how she would explain that. But she says, at the chemical plant, they had a writing contest for the ability to write an essay about some topic so that you could meet any CEO you wanted to meet. And so she decided she wanted to meet the CEO of the chemical plant's parent company, parent company, because really this is true for a lot of studios. Studios, like network studios, own so many subsidiaries yeah. and they own things that are really weird that come down to like like general electric, like your your ovens and your microwaves. Yeah. They own NBC. Mm. So it's kind of really interesting that she yeah. did that. So like the chemical plant was this weird direct line for her to get an interview at this network. I see. And like Dennis O'Hare is like, you wanted to meet with our parent parent company? And she's like, I love comedy. That is what I meant to do. I needed to find some way to get this in, and I found it. And so, as she's saying this, she's you know talking his ear off of like, "I love comedy. I love SNL." And what bums me out, I is... love The
2: Office. Ever heard
1: of it? <laughs> she wakes the camera. What bums me out about this is Mindy Kaling is a hysterical person. Yeah, she is so clever. She is so funny. And she loves comedy. I've read both of her books, and in them she talks about how every Saturday night it was her time to to, to race downstairs to watch Saturday Night Live. She memorized skits. She was not cool at her school because all she wanted to do was recite things from that. And I was... It's just awesome, and it totally makes sense for Minnie Kaling. Yeah. She is obviously a writer for The Office. She is obviously an amazing woman who did these things, whereas this character... Only claims to love comedy. Yeah. We never see her say a single funny thing. We never hear her write a joke that is actually funny. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. We'll get to that in a little bit. But either way, she says, I love comedy. At that moment, the guy gets a phone call. He picks it up and it's Catherine Newberry going, did you hire a woman yet? And he goes, well, and she goes, just hire somebody and hangs up on him. So he obviously goes, you got the job. By the way, you'll be working with all men. Do you have a problem with this? And she says, That's not a thing people say. Either way, she has a quippy joke of, I saw the writers. I'm not worried about masculinity. Oh, that's funny. Mm. I guess. I feel like the word toxic masculinity would have made more sense. Or like, I'm not worried about like, it's just something more than just masculinity. Yeah. Just because there's there's more to it than just masculinity. Uh, he goes to introduce her to the writers, and he quickly goes, Oh, right. What's your name? So it's as if she hadn't even been told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she goes, Oh, I'm Molly. And he goes, Everyone, this is Malie. And people probably have done that to her in the past because Mindy Kaling also, her name's Mindy. And a a fun fact for you all is that she was named Vera Mindy, and her middle name is Mindy, but she's always gone by that because her mother loved Morgan Mindy. And she got to meet Robin Williams and tell him that. And he didn't believe her, <laughs> but that's still pretty <laughs> that's cool. adorable. Yeah, so that's her name, and I'm, I'm sure, like, all her life, you know, people have, have done things like that. Um, so he goes, this is Malie, and she's like, oh, okay, great. The men immediately start barking orders at her because they think she's an assistant or a production assistant, and she's like, no, I'm a writer, and they all ignore her. Mm-hmm. And then she leaves, and then she cries in the lobby of the building, and it's really cute. She happy cries. Oh, It's a nice moment. Then we have a scene where Amy Ryan, Holly from The Office. Oh, cute. Is talking to Catherine Newberry in a dressing room. And this is where we have our, like, other pectal test passing character. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is mean. And she says, this is your last season, Catherine. You only ever have on boring people. You never do anything interesting, etc. And then I liked this line. She says, last night, Felon had Robert Downey Jr. on his show. They washed a sheep together. It was fucking glorious, <laughs> and I was like, "That's a good commentary because, yeah, yeah that's what
0: people watch." And yes. Yeah, they they'll, they love they'll the literally bring llamas games. on
2: stage and be like, "This
1: is a llama." That's it. This is a celebrity.
0: <laughs> yep. And so that <laughs> celebrity touching said llama.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we blindfolded this celebrity and had to touch a llama and try to guess what it was. And the celebrity's like, is it a blanket? Oh no, why is it wet? It just spat on my face. It was a llama? <laughs> I,
2: I kind of hate late night shows.
1: <laughs> I really do. Um. So anyways, <laughs> Kiki concurs. Yeah. Anyways, Amy Ryan's character, who I think is named Caroline says, we don't have a replacement yet for your show, but that's that. And then she snidely says Catherine's catchphrase to her as she's walking out the door, which is how Catherine ends every show. She says, I hope I earned the privilege of your time. <laughs> and here's a fun fact. is and, I, and what I like about my fun facts, guys, is that I love trivia for movies, and I love fun facts, but like, these are all things I know from my own knowledge. Oh. Because it's such a recent movie, there's like really nothing online about it. But I caught things that I was like, I know that's a reference to this. Oh, awesome. So, fun fact! Carol Burnett ended every one of her shows with a really sentimental song that she sang, and it's also what she titled one of her memoirs. And the song has the lyric and is called, I'm so glad we had this time together.
0: So it's a nice...
1: Slash awful parallel of I'm so glad we had this time together. I hope we got to do this and stuff, as opposed to like this kind of like rigorous and like I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. Right. Yes. It doesn't sound as welcoming. It's even aggressive. if you say it nicely, like I hope I earned the privilege of your time. It yeah. could be yeah. more,
2: but it's not as good. It kind of sounds. It it almost makes me feel like, geez, I guess I better watch
1: it tomorrow because it she's a little, condescending yeah, today. Yeah. And guilt-trippy.
0: especially trippy.
1: Guilt trippy, and especially coming from like a high class British woman. Yeah. It's a lot. So it's clear that people don't even like this catchphrase. It's not like a treasure of the I also you know. just
2: realized that you watch two Emma Thompson movies in a row. I do. I know she's not a big part of MIB. She was but barely in it. Yeah.
1: But what's funny is the character in MIB is also named Molly, <laughs> mm. and I was like, oh. that's fun. <laughs> There's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> she goes home. Catherine goes home, and John Lithgow is her husband. Oh, her sick husband. Aww. And uh, he says, "How could they cancel you? Everybody loves you." There's not much more to that scene. He's homesick, uh, and he also was someone is he famous. like cancer sick? He's Parkinson's sick. Aww. Oh god. Yeah, it's really sad, uh, but it's also kind of not fleshed out. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's just there to be her husband with an illness. I see. The next morning, all the writers are there early in the morning, dicking around in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and we get Elliot from Search Party.
0: <gasps> I yep. like him.
1: I like okay. him, too. You, I don't think, do. Okay. He's just a fun guy. You know this guy. We get Sean from I, Tanya, the bigger guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh that's funny. I like funny. that guy, too. Yeah, I like him, too. And we get who Courtney once thought was Jordan Chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we all went to go see Venom, I insisted that Jordan Chase was in the movie. Jordan Chase is some guy from Dexter. <laughs> I can't remember his name right now for the life of me. It's... You know it. Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah. It is Johnny Lee Miller, Miller but this, that's not who this is. This is uh, Reed Scott, who I actually like, and the reason I thought it V's, was right? him is because I had been watching so much Veep. Yeah, it's Dan Egan from Veep. Um, and others is what I wrote, because the other people never have names, or faces, or lines. I see. Um. Or faces? <laughs> 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 names
2: for, they just all look like I mean,
1: Slenderman? <laughs> no, kind of. It's just like, it's like the kind back of? of their head are, is the shot, you know? It's <laughs> like, oh, I can see like a blonde person is sitting there. Guys, how interesting of a movie would that be if they intentionally
2: only showed you main characters' faces? So like, anytime mm. they talked to someone, they were like slightly out of frame or like turning away. That'd be clever.
1: They're all there and they're just hanging out in the kitchen and Dennis O'Hare comes in. He's like, you know, Catherine's waiting for you all. And they freak out because this was the first day they were ever called in early and Catherine has never met them. She's never come to talk to them. So they rush to the room and she's sitting there. And she's like, who sits there? Because it's an empty chair. And they're like, oh, that's McCary. He's on the phone with his girlfriend right now. And she's like, excuse me? And they're like, well, they just became long distance. So... He wanted to talk to her, you know, it's been really hard. And she's like, and where's that guy? And they say, oh, he was, you know, really drunk last night. He's not here yet. And who are you? And they start introducing themselves. And she goes, you know what? Never mind. From now on, I'm going to give you all numbers. You all have numbers now and will be referred to by your numbers. You're number one, you're number two, and so forth. And there's a funny line of someone going, can we call each other by our actual names? She goes, just learn the numbers. (laughs) So that's kind of fun. What I liked about this is we are in a movie that is heavily dominated by white men, and it's supposed to be a movie about women, but it is just, it's meant to be, like, juxtaposing of, like, there are so many men! Yeah. So many white men, but I liked that these characters were given numbers because we really don't hear any man's name. Oh, that's fun. Ever. I know they all have names, and they've been referred to maybe one or two times, but nobody ever looks at each other and says their names aside from Catherine and Molly. So Molly arrives, and she brings cupcakes. And she's scolded for being late, especially Aww. on her first day. And she says, I thought I was two hours early. And Dennis O'Hare says, I, I told her we start at 10, and this was the first time ever that Catherine wanted to meet earlier. Yeah. So Catherine says to her, just sit down. And she goes to the first open chair. And the guys go, you can't sit there. McCary sits there. And she goes to the next open chair, and they you can't sit there. This guy sits there. And she's obviously like... Upset and it's really bullying and it's gross and I didn't like it. Yeah. And so she's like frantically looking around the room and Catherine says, Just pick a seat. Uh, and so she grabs fresh. a she grabs a trash can, and this is comical, and she she starts dumping the trash out of the trash can and flips it upside down yeah. and sits on it. And it kind of goes on for a bit. It's oh, like that's a, it's fun. a 10-second bit. Yeah. And everyone is flabbergasted by what she's doing. And so she sits down on the trash can and Catherine says, You're eight. So now she has to go by the number eight. And we will hear her referred to as Molly throughout, but she's eight for now. McCary comes in and she says, oh, how are you doing? How's your girlfriend? And he says, oh, it's been really hard, you know, like long distance. And Catherine says, oh, well, she'll be fine. You'll get to see her a lot more. And he says, what? And she goes, you're fired! (laughs) She loves firing people. Um, My predictions are correct. Yeah, so he has to leave. Then Catherine says to all of them, the show is about to be canceled fix it! Do this, and this, and this. Fix it, I don't care, and eight, you better be sitting in a chair tomorrow. And then she She leaves. She gets to sit in McCary's chair now, bitch. And so then Molly says, can I take the fired guy's seat? And Mm. they all ignore her. They all leave. The boys go into the next room and they Google Mm. her. And they Google and they find out her name is Molly Patel. And they have their racist line of, I wish I was a woman of color so I could get any job I wanted with zero qualifications. She goes outside... To a food cart at night, and boy number seven is on the phone. That's Reed Scott. I was actually just going to ask about, like, how he plays into this. Yeah. Pay attention to him. Oh, and also, he's going to come in later, and I don't know what his quote number is, uh, but I didn't say him that he's there, is Hugh Dancy. Oh. The guy from Hannibal and Ella Enchanted. The guy who is Hannibal? No. No. The guy who is Hannibal's friend. That's
0: Lance Mickelson.
2: Did you see Ella Enchanted? Mads Mickelson is Hannibal? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. No, L. I
1: was thinking Enchanted. Ella Enchanted, yes. Ella okay. Enchanted, yes. Ella yes. Enchanted. Got it. So, Hugh Dancy's there, too. We'll get to him later. Yeah. Anyways, she goes outside to the food cart. Boy number seven is there. He's talking on the phone. And he is pissed. He says, you know, it really is a hostile environment to be an educated white male these days. Yes. And that made me laugh. Because <laughs> Kimmy and I had a conversation about this later. <laughs> oh. Where I talked about how I heard somebody say, to be born... A white male these days is a death sentence. And I laughed. <laughs> uh, disgusting. Mindy overhears it. And what I liked about her character is that her character never shies away from a fight. Oh, cool. She's confrontational. And it's never to a fault. She just fights. Yeah. No matter what. She'll fight anybody. Um, and there's not much else to her character. Okay. Other than that she, quote, loves comedy. And she, she won't back down. So she goes up to him and confronts him and she says, you know what? I would rather be a diversity hire than a nepotism hire because cool. his dad was a writer on the show formally and he was trying to get his younger brother to be on the show as oh, a writer. it was his younger brother. It was his younger brother. And she said, because I had to beat out every other woman and minority, you just had to be born. Nice. She, she leaves and she goes away from the food cart and as he's, as she's walking away he yells after her, you know one of my grandparents was an immigrant. The next morning they're, the writers are all mm-hmm. meeting and they're discussing what they're going to do and Mindy Kaling says "Like, when do we get to go look at the set? And they brush her off and they're like we never go look at the set. You're not allowed to do that. And so, obviously, that's one thing of the show, and that's what a lot of things are of the show, is, like, Catherine doesn't even know their names. She doesn't let them go look at the set. It's so disconnected, which I very much doubt that's what Fallon or Seth Meyers' experiences are like. All the NBC pages. Well, I was gonna say, like, our friend who works as, like, the page boy on Ellen was on her show. Yeah. (laughs) Like, exactly. Amazing. (laughs) So, I very much doubt that's the experience, but the idea is that this is a different world that we're not familiar with. Then... Catherine comes in to, and she wants to hear their ideas. And the guy from search party, Elliot from search party, he decides to share one of his ideas. Um, and so he says, like, thought of this idea. It's called Shrimp My Ride. <laughs> and, and then doesn't say anything more about it. And I was like, I would watch that. <laughs> it's, it's like right up your alley, Courtney. It's right up my shrimp alley. <laughs> so anyways, Molly then starts... They ask her for ideas and what she does is she gives ideas about the show as a concept and starts saying, you need to not do these things. And she gives a ton of lists of what you need to stop doing. Like, here's why you're losing your audience. Here's why the show is bad. And that's her pretty much her entire character summed up is that she is all talk and doesn't have anything to back it up. I see. And so Catherine says, "Well, then what do you have in mind instead? If you don't want me doing segments like this, what do you have in mind?" So is she at another one of those Catherine's round table at meetings? another one of the meetings. Okay. And Molly says, "I don't know. I haven't written anything." Oh my goodness. So she hasn't written anything yet. So they ignore her, they scoff at her because that's stupid, and then Molly decides, "Well, you've been having a lot of like famous female senators and you've been having a lot of female writers come on your show as, like, the talk show guest, and that's not interesting to people. You need to go in the entire other direction. And then people start bouncing off of that, and they say, who's the most tacky celebrity we could bring on? And here's where I went, yes, give me something good. Make some fun commentary about anything. Do it. And they say, a YouTube star. And I went, yes! Because YouTube stars are gross, guys. (laughs) Uh... I mean, they really are. If you watch vloggers... I was just gonna say,
2: sometimes I go down a rabbit hole on YouTube and start watching vlogger videos, and I'm like, am I garbage? I feel that (laughs) way too. they're just
1: garbage. And, like, I love video essays, and I love commentary on things, but people who are saying, you know, slice of life, like, I ate a bunch of soap! What?! (laughs) It's just... (laughs) So that's what I wanted. I wanted something crazy. And so they say... Yes, let's get this girl. Don't even know her name. It doesn't matter. Let's put her on the show. It's going to be great. No. No. And that's what bummed me out. And also, what bummed me out is they could have made a huge statement about somebody like PewDiePie or Logan Paul. In making fun of a douchebag, in yeah. making fun of a racist monster or yeah. something, and they didn't. They played it Oh my gosh, safe. what if
2: they had I'm Poppy on
1: there? <laughs> I'm Poppy would have been so much more interesting! <laughs> Especially because I'm Poppy is just like, that's a weird, I would that's love fun. to see what she'd be like in an interview. Yeah. Then we see Molly crying in the bathroom. Because she's upset that Catherine scolded her and said, You don't have any ideas. Mm. So she's crying in the women's restroom and it happened earlier as well that she was in the bathroom. Earlier in the movie I skipped over it, it was established she walked into the restroom and Hugh Dancy was in the restroom. Oh. And he's so shocked that she's there. And she's like, What are you doing? He says Because they're not used to women. He being says, iron. Oh, we've we've never had a female writer before, so we've we use this room to shit. Oh no. So now she has to be in this like smelly bathroom and it's like a She should start using their bathroom. Does she start using their bathroom? Mm, No that'd be a fun writer's Uh. take, Kayleen. Um, Instead, I mean that's also like that's a very weird meet cute because these two are gonna hook up later but like that's how they talk to each other. I see. God damn it. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. (laughs) Again, Emma Thompson better fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) She sees him there, but now she's in the bathroom later crying, and the guy from Itania comes in, and she knows he's in there to go to yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And so she's like, fine, fine, just go. And they do one of those cute little dances of, like, get, oh, that's that's they're trying to get out of the way. And she's still crying? And she's still cool. crying. So then she goes into her office, which she shares with another guy, and she's crying under her desk. Oh, man. And the guy comes over, who she shares an office with. He's really, like, a mentor. He's this. He's been there the longest, and he's very nice, and he says to her... Some advice. You need to shut the fuck up. You need to stop speaking out during meetings about what's wrong with the show, and you need to start giving, and I mean, it's that same idea of don't give me problems, give me solutions. Right. Which, yeah, there. It is. And he says to her, stop giving advice and write. You need to, you're a writer, you need to write something. Then we have the next scene where they are writing jokes for the monologue, and... Really, that's kind of what late-night talk shows come down to, is the monologue. You need to hook your viewers in with some funny, political hot takes. Yeah. References to the news. Some good old jabs. There's plenty to do. Like, I mean, living in this culture that we're in right now, it's like, the jokes write themselves yeah, with the yeah, news. Yeah, And after that, you just have to get some hot celebrity on to, and wash a sheep, apparently. Right. And, like, you know, there's segments,
2: which I still like, but, like, Jimmy Fallon, where he has... He'll, he'll say something like, uh weirdest breakup, and then people tweet about it, and he reads their tweets. It's yeah. like,
1: that wrote itself. That you wrote came, itself. You came up with a topic, and people gave you great stories. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such an easy job. So and easy. I was sitting there on my high horse, of like, I know comedy more than you. <laughs> I don't. I don't even kind of. But I do love comedy the same way this character does. <laughs> and, and I love SNL, and, and um, I'm not big on talk shows because... I feel like they're scripted. I feel like they yeah. rehearse with the actor what you're going to The like, more that I find out yeah. about behind the scenes stuff
0: the more the less, sad it makes yeah. me. I feel like less you want to watch it. I don't want to know. <laughs> it's really Upsetting. Yeah. Well, after ever since you told me that I always look for you know, when they're like, Oh, you wanted to tell me about that thing and yeah. they go, Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. And I, I always Jimmy, look for you're their not gonna reactions. believe this. And Jimmy yes. has photos of it and he lifts them up and Well, it's I was just... just gonna
2: say, like, their their questions just like come across to me now as so bait y that I'm mm-hmm. like he'll be like, Oh, what'd you do for Thanksgiving? You'll never believe this really good story I have. I'm like, you told him you had that good story. That's why he asked you about Thanksgiving. I know, (laughs) right?
1: So she does. She does write something. And at their next meeting, she says, I wrote a joke for the monologue. And that's a big no-no. Because number seven, and I don't know what you guys want me to refer to them as. Number seven's fine. Okay. I really don't care that much. (laughs) Right? And that's the thing is these are just faceless men. (laughs) And I have his face in my head. Okay, great. Number seven, got it. So the brunette one. Yeah. Uh, Number seven says, no, I write the monologue. That's my job. I'm the head monologue writer. Mm. And that's big point of contention of her being like, oh, Wasn't number seven the one who told her to write stuff? No. Oh, okay. That was her mentor. Number uh, seven is the one who made fun of her outside of the hot dog right, stand. yeah. So number seven is the dick, in other words. Number seven says to her, I write the monologue, you keep quiet, woman. Oh, no. <laughs> and. Good. You shut your magic lips. <laughs> you shut your magic <laughs> lips. Anyways, she says, well, I want to share it. And Catherine is like, share it. What yes. do you have to say? And so what Molly did is she wrote a joke There was, you know, she was like, here's what you should say. You should talk about this, uh, article. And it's this article about this number of white men voted to repeal some Planned Parenthood something or other. As they're always doing. So anyways, that was the idea. And now here's the joke, guys. Here's the joke. Okay. (laughs) Why are we letting a whole bunch of men, who probably aren't having sex anyways, decide what happens to women? (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha And then here's the next part of the joke. Oh, because there's, there's part. There's, <laughs> there's part two, and then Emma Thompson is supposed to say, because she wrote the joke for her, then the next thing you'll say is, boy, am I so glad I'm going through menopause. Wah, wah. Super sad. Yeah. Huge letdown. But they all say that's a great joke. Oh, they love the joke? They love the joke. Oh. They think it's amazing. Oh, no! <laughs> that's no! a lie. That's a lie. The... Impossible. Her mentor character, (laughs) the production assistant, and Emma—they all think it's fine. And they and 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 Catherine goes, put it in the monologue, and that's like, oh yeah, oh she did something.
2: And and here's the thing, such a bummer. it's,
1: (laughs) It's not that it's even that it's like a
2: bad joke. It would be on like a talk show host who's not trying to rock the boat too much. Yes, but for for this you know, jaw dropping moment in this movie. It's not good enough. <laughs>
1: it's not good enough? Yeah. If anything, it would be one of the ones on weekend update that gets a ha-ha. Yeah. But I would expect I would expect Colin and Michael to go way further with it. Right. And it would they be hysterical. It. That's why weekend update is so fun. Weekend they update push is amazing. The envelope so far. They've gotten to the point where they're like allowed to say words that formerly weren't allowed on TV. Really? And just that's it's fun. They do a great job. And, and I, love when, I love when I love when Michael makes Colin say racial stuff. Yeah. And yeah, Colin's yeah. like, I didn't write that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. And yeah.
2: because they just like, you know, when one of them has a really push the envelope joke, then it'll cut to the next one and they're just like still laughing about how much they just said, you know? Yeah. Exactly.
1: I love yeah. They're so, like, wow, I can't believe we said that on TV. I think SNL does it the best. Anyways, uh, so Catherine tells seven, shut up. Eight, your joke's going in the monologue. Yay for eight. Then she sneaks onto the sounds the soundstage during the recording, the taping of the episode. Oh no. And she sneaks over and she's standing next to um number seven and she's excited. Didn't number seven say no one goes to the sound stage? Yes, but he's allowed to because he's the head monologue writer. Oh my goodness. So he's the only one, and she snuck out there to go on stage. Off stage, Catherine is getting ready to go out and do her show. And a producer comes up to her and is saying, you know, like, be careful, you're like on the verge of being cancelled, be careful to show who you really are, because you can't switch that off. Once they see you as one thing, you can't take it away. So she is delivering her monologue, and Mindy is so excited because the cue card comes up with her joke about menopause written on it, and Catherine does the subtlest hand wave of like, next card and the monologue is only filming her her like bust yeah. and above and so she just waves her hand and the producer knows to skip it. Wow. So, Molly is very upset because her joke was skipped. Then the YouTube star comes on. Her name is Mimi Mismatch. Oh. Uh, she's she just wears Mismatch clothing. I mean, that would have been fun, but she's wearing fishnets and a corset and maybe a skirt and okay. a shirt. She's just like a normal person. Yeah, that's what yeah. normal people say. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly a celebrity making a statement, but it's okay. it's pretty it's it'd be a very normal outfit at Coachella. It was just an outfit. <laughs> so it really wasn't as crazy as it is. And like I was I was hoping it would be some commentary about style bloggers Yeah. or it would be I just wanted something. I wanted something about how they're capturing people's attention to sell weight loss drugs, because that's what so many people on Instagram are doing these days, and it's uh, just heartbreaking and stupid that that's what these platforms are used for now. So I wanted some depth yeah. to, like, a commentary about what YouTubers are doing, because I watch a lot of YouTube, and or I think there just, are like, some- just, bagging
2: on stupid YouTube videos. Or just
1: bagging on stupid YouTube videos, because I watch a lot of YouTubers who are amazing, who do good stuff, but there are a lot who are garbage. And so, Catherine now has to interview this millennial, and- uh, she, you know, has those cards that, like, talk shows have where it's, like, a black border and a photo. Of, oh, yeah, And they're, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is you. And so she pulled out this photo and she's, like, so this is the video that made you go viral. And it's a girl standing next to a dog and making a face, like, P, you And she goes, this is the video that made you blow up the internet. And she goes, yeah, my dog farted in my face. It was so gross. And that's just not even what YouTube is. That's not what... Yeah. That's. I just was pissed. I was like, this is so out of touch mm. to think that even that is something you could right. say. Because it's not. That's not what blows up on YouTube. Yeah. Talk about something else. And it's else. funny because such dumb shit does blow up, but that's yep. not the kind of thing. No. And she... And so Catherine, like, doesn't know what to do with her. She doesn't know how to talk to this dumb dumb, And she's like... And, and why are you making this face? And she goes, it smelled really bad. And she's like, uh-huh. Why did you upload this? What was the point? And so Catherine really doesn't know how to talk to her. Well, I was gonna say, but... like we just all said, isn't this a scripted show? You don't have questions ready? So here's where it just, yeah. The girl starts to get pissed that Catherine is talking down to her. Oh. And she's like, yeah, it was funny, so I did it, and I uploaded it, and it got me a lot of views. And it turns into... Like, it's combative, and it's- and Catherine just, you know, is- is really acting kind of, like, upper crusty British, and she says to her, like, Well, you know what, Mimi? Like, what is your calling? What is it that you're meant to do on this earth? Why are you here? And the YouTuber just goes off. And she says, you know what? I'm a good person. I make funny videos for people to laugh at. What do you do? You don't do anything. Your show sucks. Ooh. You're out of touch. Nobody watches this. You begged me to come on here to get more viewers. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. And actually, I am really smart. And like, you know, said something eloquent in that moment. Yeah, she that's said pretty fun. She said science. And so... <laughs> That was the point, and they have to do, they have to, can't like, they have to stop the show because yeah. it's live, mm. and so they have to be, like, smash cut to the commercial, um, and the YouTuber stomps off. And here's the point in the movie where I made the note, this writing style is neither quippy nor over the top, which is what The Office is. The Office is about the one-liners that people yeah. want on t-shirts. It is about the characters that you fall in love with who are so far from reality yeah. that they somehow come back and are relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Nobody knows anybody from The Office in real life where it's, that person is so like that yeah. because those characters are blown out of proportion. It's, I see hints of Michael Scott in this person. But that this movie doesn't have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for me as a huge Office fan to detach Mindy Kaling from that and like have a death of the author moment of like, I have to assume that this was written just for some other reason or by someone else, but I can't. And it makes me sad because that's exactly what both of her books are like. They are quippy and sentimental and over-the-top and fun. Yeah. They're true stories, but told to to a, a degree of, of silliness. And, and, just, and yeah. then she shines through them, I would imagine. She does. I don't think she is in this movie. She doesn't shine even kind of. Yeah. Because this character is non-existent. They are there to serve a plot line, which is kind of what every character is. And the plot is. seems thin. Plot is very thin. Save this show. Gosh, they're... It sounds like a Disney Channel original movie. Like Ooh. we gotta save the sand lot. It does. They're sound gonna like tear that. it down <laughs> to build a burger farm. <laughs> <laughs> a burger farm. <Burger. laughs> <laughs> it's not
2: cows. It's like they grow burgers. They grow burgers. They grow the burgers. Yeah.
1: That's just the plot. Good burger. My bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, home with the good burger. I wonder. Is she,
0: is she the sole, sing, like, singular writer on this? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm just wondering if there's some kind of other influence that's forcing her to water down, you know, her... You know what it might be? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's writing a movie as opposed to a series.
2: You know what Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, too, is that when you have a show like The Office, and I know she was involved since the beginning, but it's like, especially once you get going with that, you know what the show feels like, Mm -hmm. you know these characters, and now you know what you can get away with. So you... You do it, and you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, and you're kind of free. Whereas this is like, you have one shot. If people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And it's like one three-hour stretch. Or, sorry, not three hours. Two hours. It's It's, so different. It's two
1: hours to solidify everything. It's such a
2: different medium. The
1: Office, the six episodes would be that length from the beginning for your first season, where you're seeing them do so many different things. And Mindy is known for The Office and The Mindy Project. But even before that... She did Matt and Ben, which yeah. is so. Oh gosh, love Matt and Ben. Matt, I love and, ben, Matt and Ben too. And I, I kind of wanted to save that for the end, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know really when to put it in. But she wrote her first writing thing that like got her on the map was was this before The Office? Oh yeah, this is oh, what I got no her idea. to that it was before The Office. Yeah, she wrote Matt and Ben, which was a New York Fringe Festival show where her and it was it's was co-written by her and her writing partner Brenda Withers. It was, it was a hilarious take on what if Matt Damon and Ben Affleck actually didn't write Goodwill Hunting? What if the script fell from the sky into their laps and the two of them, which is just amazing, that two women, one of them Indian, are playing Matt Damon and yeah. Ben Affleck. It's really funny. How does that not draw the attention of it everybody? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. so
2: well, good. Because that scene that Courtney directed, you originally wanted us to do Matt and Ben, didn't you?
1: I did. Like then, me with somebody else? Yeah, then yeah. I ended up being in it for uh dylan directed me in that
2: oh okay okay because yeah. i know i read the whole thing i not yeah. i don't think you like demanded me to read it but i know i read the whole thing yeah. for a purpose <laughs>
1: and then i was like never mind i want daniel in this too you have to do this sad sad yeah. show instead anyways in case anyone's wondering we all majored in theater so <laughs> <laughs> we've read a lot of plays as well as books yeah we're all actors we haven't really establish that. Yeah, we didn't. Huh? Yeah, We have all <laughs> stated that I go to an acting class. <laughs> we've also we've talked about acting plenty, but yeah. we've
2: no one also knows had that major clips, like when I said "off book" means off script. You even, <laughs> you even. <laughs>
1: yeah, we learned that at acting camp. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> blocking—ever heard of it? Please, just please, just <laughs> as much as you can interrupt this movie, please do because honestly, yesterday when I was watching my third movie of the day, I was like, how funny would it be? If I made it ten minutes into explaining late night, and then I said, "Then Godzilla shows up," and I just decided, <laughs> "Now we're gonna talk King of the Monsters." Or, or so you fast. just did like a mashup
2: of the three you saw that day. So for right. the first third of this, you did one, and then second and third. Here's where
1: the aliens come in. You guys aren't even ready. <laughs> but instead, or I chose theirs? I chose what just feels like a a very lukewarm, mellow movie that kind of doesn't make really me watched, but whatever. <laughs> After the show, Mindy goes to see Hugh Dancy doing stand-up. And afterwards, the two of them uh, leave the stand-up place and they start talking. And he says, what well, got you into comedy, maybe? I don't know. Or he says, what are you doing? And she talks about how she is going to MC a cancer benefit. And that's what her big thing is. And she's she's hang- we've seen her hang up posters in the office about it. It's called something. It's called Cancer Isn't Funny. Oh. Um, a but comedy does... show about okay. cancer. Okay. And it's it's just gonna be a night of stand up about or for the purposes of raising money for lung cancer awareness. And he says, That's a weird cause. Why would you do that? And of course she says, My dad died of lung cancer. Oh. My next note says I don't think he kisses her immediately after hearing that, but my next note is they kiss. Oh. Um, and they're they're making out and um she says she won't sleep with him. She says that immediately. Yeah, she says I'm not gonna sleep with you right now. And at that moment, he pulls out his phone because the Mimi Misfit Mismatch video went viral. Yay! And then the oh, next like, day, any publicity's good publicity. I mean, kind and, of. Yeah. Which publicity? The next day at work, Catherine says, "I need a publicist." What? You don't have one at How this point. How do you I
2: have a publicist? I don't
1: know. Everybody has a publicist. So she says, "Get me a publicist." Then we have this interview with a publicist, and the publicist says. I was Leonardo DiCaprio's publicist. And he was like, a funny joke, if you want to call it that. I told Leo, do you want an Oscar? You need to fight a bear. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay. That's funny. It is and it isn't. Like, I made that joke. (laughs) I made that joke and I didn't get a movie out of it. And we were watching Empire Strikes Back the other day. And I was like... Leonardo DiCaprio stole Luke crawling into a tauntaun for an Oscar <laughs> that's funny. because that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. and you know what? What is like different about this movie than us making a joke like that on the fly? That's not our best work. <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a joke where we go, haha!
1: that was good if exactly. you come
2: up with on the fly and now we're never going to speak of it again. It's not like deserving
1: to right. be in a movie. Okay, we probably laughed harder at the word tauntaun than at my joke <laughs> okay. because I love tauntauns and I think they're so funny yes. <laughs> and stupid and I love them. Anyways, yep, yeah, that's what we're dealing with here. I will say it was delivered well. That's good. Now we have the scene where we're at a party. We're at a fancy party at Catherine's house. With her publicist. Okay. Who asked a bunch of news people to come and, and get us get a taste of Catherine, hear what she has to say. And of course, all the writers are there because it's a party and they want to hear from everyone. And so this is Catherine's, you know, stepping into um, this role of... I get interviewed by people now and we see Hugh Dancy and Catherine... Sneak away into a stairwell at one point. Stop it! And, um... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is the one that Molly just made out with. And Catherine is stressed from the party, and he, he gives her a drink and says, I knew you would need a drink. And uh she says to him, what happened to us can never happen again. I'm sorry. <gasps> I said that wrong though. <laughs> uh, what happened? I meant with what us? happened with us, but to uh, us But it got the same reaction I wanted <laughs> of yeah. <laughs> Kayleen right. <laughs> yeah. gets to be right kind of a lot. She said a lot of things that I think are gonna yes. come true. He's like and he's upset about that. But at that moment, somebody was eavesdropping. He's upset about that, meaning he wants to be with both of them still? Oh, he's a slut. Okay. <laughs> just <laughs> just, just <giving> everyone. It. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he was kind of like, mer, sad, uh, but somebody was eavesdropping. The person eavesdropping is the comedy agent of Ike Barinholtz, who was doing stand-up at the beginning of the oh, movie. Oh, it. Uh-huh. He'll come in later. And anyways, that guy listens. At the party, Molly um, is trying to to schmooze with people and it's not going well. She's upset and so she wanders around the house and she stumbles upon John Lithgow standing in a room by himself. Mm. And they have a nice talk about his Parkinson's.
2: I actually totally forgot that she was married to him, so that (laughs)
1: makes makes her little tryst even worse. So her tryst now, yeah, it has a victim. It's horrible. It is. Um, And it's sad. And... Later at the party, John Lithgow is with Catherine and they're they're talking and they're schmoozing with Ike Barinholtz, who I'll just call the bad comedian. They're schmoozing with the bad comedian from the beginning of the movie and his agent. And his agent is saying to Catherine, he's like, oh, I saw you talking to Charlie. Good for you. And he says that right in front of John Lithgow, obviously. Yeah. And John Lithgow gets really upset and looks at him and, like, shakes his head. And I say upset, not meaning, like, mad. He looks hurt. Like he know, Like like. why would you say that? Can you, like don't say that to me right now. Yeah. And it's like yeah why would you? Like even if it's at the expense of Catherine it's just, it's rude. Catherine then goes outside and she's being interviewed by all of the reporters and all of the reporters are kind of hounding her and they say we heard that you refer to all of your employees by number and not by name. <laughs> Catherine doesn't know what to say because apparently she's not a toxic show host and doesn't know how to speak to humans. <laughs> she just stands there. Yeah. And then Molly chimes in and says, "She does." And everyone in everyone in the room like turns around and looks at her and she says, "Yeah, she gave us all numbers on the first day. I'm 8." And they're shocked. And then what's kind of sad is that then she makes it a joke. And to 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 say to no, that's not true. She says, "She also keeps us in cages and only lets us eat at certain times." Yeah. And then everybody laughs. And then Molly lies and says, Of course she knows our names. She doesn't call us by numbers. I'm Molly, in case you're wondering. But she says it in front of her because Catherine does not know her name. She does not know it's Molly. So that's why she said
2: it, yeah. yeah, So she
1: says it, and then she comes and stands next to Catherine, and she's like, I'm so blessed to have been hired by Catherine. This is amazing. And she even goes so far as to say, Catherine is amazing. She is such an inspiration to me, and what I will keep with me forever And what matters to me most is that she said to me, Molly, this is gonna sound weird, but you know who you remind me of? And all the journalists are, like, hanging on her every word. I think this is in the trailer. And she says, you remind me of a younger me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then everyone, the journalists are all excited and they say, let's get a photo of Molly and Catherine. And here's my favorite part of the movie. It was this really funny physical comedy bit of Catherine smiling and, you know, putting on a face and Molly not knowing what to do, Molly like leans her head on her shoulder, and then she like she puts both hands on her shoulders oh, that's like funny. Touch- it looked like awkward family photos, and then she does a peace sign, and she doesn't she's not in the limelight ever, she doesn't know yeah, what to yeah, do, yeah, and yeah. it was hysterical, that's and fun. I- that was my favorite part. Back at the party, Catherine sees Hugh Dancy leave with Molly. Mm. They leave together, and then Ike Baronholtz walks up. That's the bad stand-up yeah. comedian. Catherine says to him, I saw your stand-up special. And he says, oh my gosh, you saw that I, wow. But we know she didn't. She just saw it in a bar and hated it because it was awful. And she says to him, what are you doing next? And he says, you know, I don't know. Kind of thinking out what I'm gonna do.
2: I'm sorry. I feel like I I got... I got, uh, confused somewhere. Which one was the guy that was like, I heard your conversation? Hit this guy's agent. His agent. Okay, that's why this is confusing. That's why it's confusing. Okay, got it.
1: And really, the agent's never gonna come back. The agent overheard. Yeah. Agent is working for this guy. Okay, so Ike is like a nice little dum-dum. Actually, no. Oh. And it's because Catherine looks at him and infers that he is gonna take over her show. Oh.
0: Because she is
1: gonna be fired, and she realizes he's at this party, The agent is here too, spying on me. It's all about this. That's what's going to happen. Oh no. And then, now she's back at her office. And so they're all at the office, and they're there clearly late at night trying to write new jokes, and Molly says, I gotta go, and stands up, and Catherine is pissed, and she says, where are you going? And she says, I have that charity event tonight for Uh, cancer. I'm the MC, and it starts in half an hour, I have to be there, and... Catherine is pissed, and she's like, "You're not going anywhere. You're here to write, and it's very Devil Wears Prada." Yeah, <laughs> uh, but not that well done.
2: Because <laughs> what is this? Get, get,
1: get me Armani. Get me Armani. Where's Armani? <laughs> He's on the phone.
2: You're not going to Paris. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Just from "get," you knew that not only was I trying to make a Devil Wears yeah.
1: Prada reference, but also an Armani. Get separate. me Armani. Where's Armani? He's on the phone. Okay, so. She is so not having it, but what we've established with Minnie Kaling's character, Molly doesn't back down, Mm -hmm. and Molly knows that this charity event is for a cause that her father lost his life to, lung cancer, she says- Also, your husband has an illness, like, let her go to this thing. And she says, it's a charity event, and also, like, she's not your best writer, why do you care? So, she says, if you go, don't bother coming back. Oh my goodness. And, And Molly still goes. So, so Emily goes to this stand up and uh, she's the MC and she gets on the mic and she says, I just got fired. And that's supposed to be funny. And everyone in the audience is kind of like, doesn't know what to say. Yeah. But then um, she says, and our next performer is, but then she hears like a noise to the side of her in the wings and she turns and looks in the wings and who's there? Catherine. Yeah. Oh. Catherine comes to the charity event and is like standing in the wings and says, Let me go on. Oh, And so Catherine oh. now wants to go on and do stand-up. So Catherine goes on, and she says, Hi! And everyone's shocked because right. it'd be like Fallon coming out. Right. And she says, My publicist made me get a Twitter. I don't understand Twitter. I don't understand favoriting. You can only have one favorite. And obviously it's not funny. And it doesn't yeah. get a laugh. And no one really knows what to do. You and, know what's funny about yeah. this,
2: this like stand-up in this movie and stuff? Is I'm like... I know that we will know if something's funny or not to the movie based on the audience laughing, but I'm, like, over here listening to this explanation going, sorry, what things are the audience thinking are funny? You know yeah. what I mean? Right? And I'm also, like, just, like, no, they want us to believe that things that are okay are really funny. Yeah. yeah. Do they
1: think that was funny? Oh, you're right. Because, yeah, they didn't laugh. She disses Twitter to a bunch of millennials. Obviously, they're silent. They don't care. And then she decides, I'm going to make jokes instead about my age. Yeah. I'm a f- woman in her 50s in the entertainment industry. How crazy is that? And they lose their shit. They laugh. Oh
2: my goodness.
1: <laughs> See, and then, what was the um, difference
2: between those two jokes? They were both
1: the same. Pretty much. And then she's talking and, you know, she's like... I get... And it's so it's so funny because I cut this out of our last week's episode, but last week Kayleen said that she saw Rocketman and that Bryce Dallas Howard played uh, Elton John's mother. Yeah. And I freaked out and I said, His mother?! Because she's what thirty-five, they were like, "You're a grandma now." <laughs> um, yeah. But really, it's just that was the joke they were making of you're you're old. And she's like, "What am I gonna? I'm gonna have to get a facelift to play a Disney character voiceover." And oh. they're they're laughing and they think it's so funny. That's kind of funny. It was fine. Yeah, there was just jokes about her age, and then it's kind of like this shot suggests that time has passed because she's like taken off her jacket. And everyone in the audience is laughing. So it's clear she's been on stage for a while. And then she, like, walks off stage, is talking to Molly. I think it goes to the next day. She's talking to her writers, and she's honest and says, It is my fault the show is bad. We need to be writing things that only I can say, and we need to be all about that. So, like, obviously, that planned parent
2: coming through a filter of that's me.
1: Of course. So the planned parent menopause joke is what she's saying. That's what we need. That's what would have worked. What this made me think of, and I don't know if you guys watch this, but I really don't watch, I don't watch late night shows unless it's on clips on YouTube, and it's either that the celebrity themselves has pulled me in, or the one that I actually do consistently watch is Seth Meyers has on his show the segment called Things Seth Can't Say.
2: Oh, I've never watched that.
1: It is so good. It's Amber Ruffin, who is a black woman, and Jenny Hagel, who is a lesbian, and the segment starts because they're two of Seth's writers, and they say... They write all these jokes, the way that, like, Colin and Michael Che would write jokes, but they don't, like, one of them is the one who gets to say it, for obvious reasons. And so these are jokes that they wrote, and then Seth gives the stage over to them, and says, these are jokes Seth can't tell. That is
2: so dope. It's so cool, and the
1: segment always starts with Amber saying, I'm black, and Jenny saying... And I'm a lesbian, <laughs> and Amber says, and we're both women. And then they say a bunch of hysterical jokes about things in the news that Seth can't say. And I just love that. And that I was that is amazing. Yeah. So that's what Catherine wants to do now. She wants jokes that only like menopausal white women can say. Yeah. Oh, great. Yes. What everyone wants to hear, guys. The hot takes. Um, and hot so, flash takes, am I
2: right? <laughs> I feel like that would be her, like, like they jump to the next segment and it's like, it's me here with hot
1: flash takes. Okay, you know what, Kimmy? That would actually be like a good, that would be a Thank good idea you. for the show. Um, so she says to all of them, I need you guys to think differently. That's the halfway point of the movie. Mm. She's now asked people to think differently. She realizes from this one stand-up set that she did what might work, yep. and Molly feels like a side character. You bet. <laughs> uh, so what are your what are your predictions? What do you think's going to happen in the next half of the movie? Well, Molly's for sure going to find out about Hugh Dancy. And, and what do you think she'll do?
0: Hmm. Maybe... Well, she's very confrontational, so she'll probably confront her about it. Okay. Yes. I think that Hugh Dancy is going to do a reversal, and he's going to end up being just as much of a douche as any other... Ah, uh, white male in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
2: I want one more guy to get fired. I hope it's number seven. Okay, that'd be fun. That's what you think gonna happen, number seven? Yeah, he gets fired. Okay. Fuck number seven. And Mindy gets his job because we can't have a, a white man writing uh, old women
0: monologue jokes anymore. Yes, yeah, so or all the men are going to suddenly learn about women. How's <laughs> menopausal women? Yeah, more okay. specifically. I think that John Lithgow is going to die. Okay. Oh, no. I mean, why would they have such an esteemed Ugh. actor in that role if only for what he's been in so far? Don't you guys just love John Lithgow?
2: I love John Lithgow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think this story is more like Emma Thompson needs to take her show back, her thing. So I feel like it's more that Molly's just going to be like the lead writer and maybe they'll, they'll hire more women. They'll okay. be like, oh shit, mm-hmm. we actually need more of them. Maybe even older women, because yeah, I yeah, mean, right. Kaling is, uh, you know, a minority and a woman, but she's not old, like right. But I'm get... a woman.
1: I don't think I should be writing jokes for fifty year old women. That's no. what I'm saying. Yeah, like exactly. you
2: should.
0: I think they should have some like age representation too in their writing room. So. I think that I, I originally said I thought Emma Thompson was going to lose her job and the show was going to get canceled. Now I'm kind of thinking that things are going to maybe work out for her, but she's going to um, pass off the job to somebody else. I don't know, but I think she's going to say, my time is over. I think something's going to happen with that comedian guy.
2: Like, I think he's going to try, and there's going to be some threat where you actually think maybe he will take the show over, but then there's going to be some big episode that, like, breaks records,
1: Mm -hmm. and then they have to let her keep her show, and she gets to, like, flip him off or something. Wow, you guys sound so invested. I'm thrilled. (laughs) We're gonna go through this snippety snap. The next scene, she's doing her show, and she delivers the Planned Parenthood joke. Okay. Funny. Good for her. But also, like, wasn't that joke, like, three weeks old by now? I was gonna (laughs) say. Isn't it, like, stale? And then, because of their time in the writer's room, they have established now that she is an old white woman, so they decide to do this segment on her show now called White Savior where she's going to walk around the streets of New York with a microphone. Oh, I remember this from the trailer. And be a white savior. And I this think that like is yikes. Okay, so I think it sounds clever because she is a white woman and it is written by a person of color and the joke is that she thinks she knows what, like I I get where the joke is going. Yeah. I get what the point of it is. And then she has another guest on her show and the next segment is a girl who is clearly meant to be Someone from Riverdale. Oh. It, it's a girl and uh, it's like, it's called something like Van Helsing High and Emma Thompson is like, now wh- why are you, what are you doing on Van Helsing High? And, sh- and the girl is really, you know, sheepish and is saying like, well, it's stupid, you know, like, we're all vampires and like, I get that it's, it's just, you know, it's a guilty pleasure show and... Again, people do talk about
2: their shows like that. They don't
1: talk about it at all. They get excited. And so that's what bothered me. But what excited me, because I say this a lot, and this is truly how I feel. Emma Thompson says, I don't think there's such a thing as guilty pleasures. And I understand the phrase of it, but I fully believe that too. I don't think you should ever label something that, because if it brings you joy and it's not hurting anybody... It shouldn't be guilty. It shouldn't be like I. I don't feel bad for wanting to listen to the songs from Lazy Town. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I. I
2: just that makes me happy that you got to see that in a movie because I yeah. do know you have that you, feeling. You've about heard that, that from me before
1: because yeah. we we did have that where Kayleen. Uh, in terms of what we want to talk about on our podcast, we've thought of guilty pleasures. Like, what's your favorite guilty pleasure movie? And I'm like, I have not. She was like,
2: that word doesn't exist. I, I was will like... not
1: feel guilt for watching Jesus Camp. <laughs> So, that's my thought. Yeah. But I liked that. I was like, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but really this segment was just meant to be like, she's down to earth. She thinks Riverdale's fun. Yeah. And then the girl from, I'm gonna call her the Riverdale girl. I know yeah. it was meant yeah. to be Van Helsing, but the Riverdale girl goes, can I hug you? And then she hugs her. That's cute. So right now we're in this nice big montage of the white savior thing, the Riverdale interview, the hug. And then she comes up with another um, segment on her show where she avenges bad customer service experiences because, like, corporations don't care about every random person that is affected. Yeah. And so she decides she's going to avenge a DoorDash order. (laughs) And so she, like, finds some guy and she's like, what happened with your DoorDash order? And he's like, they forgot my fries. Yes! And she, like, calls them and is like, this is Catherine Newbery, like, you forgot this man's fries! And, and they and were then, like, we'll give him 25 cents. <laughs> you no, know, he gets fries, and then her whole audience gets fries, and I was like, that's a good segment, that's funny. Also because like it's relevant. Then, um, we find out that it's about to be Sweep's sweep. mm. and I haven't heard the phrase Sweep's sweep since... The movie Bruce Almighty. <laughs> 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 what <laughs> it is Sweeps Week? Sweeps Week sweep is when, apparently, it's like the one week of television where everybody is meant to be watching. And it's like all the networks and all the audiences are meant to be engaged. And so it's like you better have the best content of your life. When is Sweeps Week supposed to be? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know anything about that. So. <laughs> It's about to be Sweeps Week, and Catherine is told during their Sweeps Week episode, even though she's riding high and doing really well, she needs to have Ike Barinholtz, the bad stand-up comedian, on her show. Uh. She needs to have him on her show and introduce him as the new host.
0: (gasps) For ratings.
1: And that's just, that sucks. Molly stays and... Here's Catherine, or Catherine walks in on Molly, because Molly's there as well in the middle of the night. And then Molly says to her, don't give the show over to him. Don't do it. Don't don't introduce him as that. Don't do it. Um, and then Catherine leaves. Seven comes in, and the two of them fight. Molly and Seven fight about how he's like, you need to let this show end. It's stupid. Okay. Then she has a scene with Hugh Dancy. We're still in the office, and Hugh Dancy comes in, and Hugh has his phone out and something on his phone is really bad and Seven pulls out his phone and there's something on it that's oh, no. it's like bad news okay. they show it to Molly and there's some really bad news oh, oh no, it's her this husband. husband you guys think his, the husband's dead cuz i immediately thought the husband was dead okay instead the news is that Catherine and Hugh's emails were leaked oh fart <laughs> 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 all about them doing it Mm. So now Molly's finding out! And Molly found out, but also the entire world found right, out. Yeah. And that's
2: awful. I was just excited about my prediction, that's all.
1: Yes. <laughs> However, Molly's not upset about it. Oh. She She goes to Catherine, and Catherine and her get into this argument. And what I liked about this argument, you will hear, and I think you'll like it too. Catherine and her are in this argument, and... Molly says, you need to come clean, you need to tell everyone that you're sorry, You need this is what you need to do. And Catherine, being the older woman that she is, she says, your generation, your generation is so obsessed with catharsis. You think all you need to do is admit what you've done wrong and you'll be absolved. You're just all these little narcissists who think everything's about them and you need to just tell everybody what you did wrong all the time and come clean and everything will be okay. And she she says this term, she's like, it might as well be called catharsisism. And I was like, that's actually pretty dope. Because Mm. the number of YouTubers who come out with apology videos is disgusting. And it made sense. Because yeah, like, I don't really know what the world wants from celebrities. I really don't. I don't know if if that's what we want constantly we catch them doing something bad and we want an apology because especially with the me too movement yeah. no one cares about any apology yeah. not a single person who has apologized has gotten away with it and it's we welcome them back like yeah you know,
2: i think it's very it's become almost just this staple now where well you know what you need to apologize and people will forgive you because you're human but then there are things like me too movement things where it's like which Why I think, would I
1: forgive that? You're a monster. And I think that's obviously the line. Yeah. Infidelity to your husband, you only hurt your husband. You don't owe the public anything. Right. You don't. You yeah. don't. Uh, uh hurting that's somebody true. else. That, you know but... what's
2: sad about the thing about like cheating on your husband is is that is so that is so personal mm-hmm. and that really should not be allowed to to be in the public eye, you know? But and, yeah. and, and you shouldn't have to apologize because it does not affect the public, but yet so many people are going to look
0: down on you. Also, I don't understand why the public chooses what is absolvable and what is not.
2: Right? Yeah. Right?
0: Why has nobody ostracized Woody Allen to the point where he's not I- making movies anymore? <laughs> yeah. I hate Woody Allen so much. and I don't I- understand.
1: Why is Ugh. that Okay. It's not, it's not, because that's the whole argument of, well, you gotta separate the art from the artist, and that's, like, the biggest person they glom onto for that. We shouldn't have his films, like, he is a monster, we shouldn't have that. Mm -hmm. That's my soapbox for the day, that's nothing to do with Late Night, a movie about (laughs) women. I'm so done with this movie, gang. Anyways, Catherine fires Molly. What? I'm sorry, huh? Yeah. They're not friends. She's mad at her for telling her to say sorry. So she fires her. Oh, because she's upset with, like, the catharsis thing? Yep. She's, okay. she's really mad. She fires her. Cool. Yeah, they're not friends, even kind of. Loving it. <laughs> yeah. Number seven comes over to Molly's house. Oh. Just shows to, up. To encourage her to keep writing.
2: Aww. Because
1: he says to her, I know what happened. You need to not give up. You're a good writer. And she says, okay, I'll stay in New York. And that, I like that. Then we have an interview with Molly at guess where? She's at Seth Meyers's. Awesome. And Seth himself is interviewing her.
2: Aww. Yeah. You know it'd be
1: funny if Bj Novak were playing Seth Meyers. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved. I would have loved a Bj Novak cameo, but yeah. that would have been fun too. So Seth is is interviewing her, and it's going really well. And he's like, "What is Catherine really like?" And she says, "Honestly, she's the most." awful person I've ever worked with. She's a, she's a monster. And Seth is like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But I can't wait to have you on board. And Molly responds with, really? She does this, this, and this? And turns it into, like, a therapy session? I see. And he's like, oh, okay, but I would love to. And she says, and another thing! And it's I was very nervous that she was not gonna get the job. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she says to him, I'm so sorry. And he says, advice, don't ever treat an interview like a therapy session. And I was... I was like, that's a little on the nose. Yeah. Um, but he says, I would love to have you. You're hired. The next scene, we have Catherine apologizing to her staff. She's fired Molly. To numbers one through seven. And she talks to numbers one through seven, and she sincerely apologizes to all of them and calls them by their names and is crying. And she knows her show is canceled, and she says, thank you, and says their name. Thank you, and says their name, and goes around the table... And then gets, and and I liked this, and then she goes, thank you, Six. Because <laughs> she doesn't know his name. Funny. And I thought that was really, that was, yeah, that's funny. That like she funny tried bit. and still couldn't she do She tried, it, yeah. but she didn't know Six's name, and neither do I, because he's one of those faceless persons. And then we have her having a scene with John Lithgow to make up with him, because mm. she cheated on him. So this and was his first
2: time finding out. Yeah, That's
1: stupid, because there was a huge nod to it earlier of him knowing at the party Mm-hmm. And so we just get this uh, this unnecessary scene of the two of them alone in a theater because they can't go to their home because the, the paparazzi are there. So they have to go to this empty theater that she used to work in. Paparazzi can't hear you from the inside it's, of your home. It's so dramatic. And it, I didn't like it. It was just two old people crying and making up. You Got can it. imagine what it was like. They make up. Yeah. And now she um, is on her show and... There aren't any um, jokes in the monologue, and said she's, like, apologizing to her audience in the monologue. No. For the indiscretions that she has had. So she's apologizing to the audience, and then her guest is the guy who's supposed to take over her show. Yeah. And on the show, she is interviewing him, and it's going average, and she says, I hear that you want my job. And he says, <laughs> I don't want your job. No, I don't want your job. And she says, you don't want my job. And he's like, N- of course, wouldn't everyone? And he's like talking to the audience. He's like, wouldn't everyone like for her to stay? And she says, but you, do you want me to stay? And he says, uh, oh. And here's just where I don't believe this would happen because like producers would be involved in this. You don't just pass a show on to somebody by by a gentleman's agreement on camera. Yeah. And so, he's like, no, of course, I want you to keep the show. And she says, so you agree, I should keep the show. And he's like, yeah. And everyone cheers. And it was like, great, she gets to keep the show. Because she tricked someone on air who doesn't know what to say. She guilt-tripped someone on, on air, and it was very uncomfortable, and so he... He bolts off the stage during the commercial break and goes up to his agent and is like, you're fired! Mm-hmm. And then the downfall of the movie, if it wasn't already downfalled by now. <laughs> this was so awful.
0: <laughs> Great, can't wait. This was Not so I'm awful.
1: She's apologized to her writers. She's made up with her husband. She's already given this very cathartic monologue to her audience about, I shouldn't have done this, that, and the other thing. And then... At the end of her monologue, she ends with her catchphrase. And it was you know, I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and the audience goes buck wild. They go nuts. And it was so meh. The whole thing was just I'm sorry I cheated on my husband. Yeah. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And, and everyone also, went aren't you bananas. Like a
2: sellout now because you didn't believe in that kind of thing, and it's yep. what got you cheers.
1: Yep. Backstage, we have uh, Amy Ryan, Caroline, if you remember her. Yeah. She is there to tell Emma, Catherine, the show is yours. You earned it. It, it Nothing special happened. She delivered a monologue where she apologized for cheating on her husband and ended with her catchphrase. And this woman is going nuts and is like, I always believed in you. And it was really stupid. And then as she's walking out the door, she's like, You get to keep your show. And here's the funniest part of the movie slash the worst part of the movie. Oh. Uh, It's funny to me, and only me probably. (laughs) Catherine realizes she gets to keep her show, but who does she want to come with her along the way? Well. Of course. And the first piece of music we have is some dramatic, over-the-top, empowering pop song Probably, I think, by Sarah Borellis. I don't know Sarah Bareilles' work enough, but it sounded like her voice. And we have her like going to Mindy Kayley's house, climbing up her six flights of stairs so that she can win her back. But I just don't understand. was so dramatic. It was so dramatic and it wasn't meant to be funny. And all I could think about was 30 Rock because 30 Rock is so good. They refused throughout their whole run. ...to pay for songs. Mm. Tina Fey is married to Jeff Richmond, who is a composer. And so he would compose his own music. And you even hear Tina Fey singing in the background of some of the episodes. that's funny. Um, But the one time 30 Rock ever paid for a song... ...was when Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin had been in this fight the whole episode. And it was like, what if by the end of this, we just made up? And she whips her head around... And all of a sudden we hear One Republic go, tell me what you want to hear! Oh my gosh, yeah! (laughs) And Alec Baldwin is like, and I turned around at the exact right time, and he turns around and goes, what you want to hear? Oh, I love it. (laughs) And it was so funny because it's, yeah, that's what life is like in movies, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Catherine shows up and is like, you must write for my show. I need you. And all I could think was, you have a choice between writing for Seth Meyers... Who has that amazing segment of jokes Seth can't tell? Right. What does she choose, guys? To go with Catherine. That is re- Catherine. that is a really big bummer because it's like don't show her getting the Seth job. Yeah. And you know they're like in her apartment and she is like, "Do you like the color of my wall? I just painted it." And Catherine goes, "No." And so it's just it's it's unredemptive. There's yeah. no redemption for this character. She she doesn't like Molly but yeah. she knows she needs Molly. And she says all the reasons why she needs her, and Molly says to her, you love me. Because she listed a bunch of things, you know the way they do, like, tropey-wise. Yeah. And Catherine immediately responds with, no, I don't. And it becomes like a joke of, like, you love me. You just can't say it. And she's
0: like, No. Mike could pick up my massive eye roll that I just did that (laughs) very prevalent. Kimmy did an eye roll. So she says, please come back. And
1: Molly lists her demands. She says, you're no longer allowed to have temper tantrums. You're no longer allowed to hire men who look the same. And you're no longer allowed to give me withering looks of like apparently just British people looking like forlorn. And Catherine says, okay. This seems like, honestly, an
2: unrealistic list of demands.
1: It seemed like a list of demands in the way that tropes are. Like, you're no longer allowed to do this. And then the character goes, I thought you liked it when I do that. And you're no longer allowed to do this. Babe, you like it when I do that. And then, like, by the end, they make up. What's that movie where they say, like, I hate all these things about you, even though they're things that they actually like about them? It's fucking 10 things I hate about you. I hate that I don't hate you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's probably
0: that. (laughs) Maybe I'm (laughs) also
1: Anyways, then all of a sudden it says one year later. And Uh, we get another we we get another pop song playing. It's, you know, some nice cuts of the writer's room and they're all laughing. It's Catherine getting ready for her show. And then it's Molly and number seven standing where the head monologue writer stands mm. because the show's about to start and they're both standing there. So obviously they're both head writers. Cool. And what do we get? But seven kissing her. Ah, no. And it's, it's a boyfriend kiss. He kisses her shoulder and they like look at each other and it's clear they're madly in love. He's and then probably
0: still a douche. Don't you know, Kayleen, that women like douchey men? I like bad boys. Title card, that's the end of the movie. Oh, great. Let's rate this. (laughs) 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 She was over that
2: so (laughs) bad. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Kimmy
0: hated it. Kimmy gave it a one.
1: (laughs) Three. Two.
0: One. Oh my (laughs) gosh! Kimberly. <laughs> I'm sorry. oh my gosh, that's insane, woman, jeez. <laughs> sorry, I don't have any patience for shit. You have to give us a
1: really good explanation for a she's one. She's not okay. gonna, she's just gonna say I'm not gonna watch this. Anyways, I, no. listeners,
0: Kimmy gave a one. <laughs> I, g- I did give it a one. Like I said I, as a joke. <laughs> at first I gave it a two and then I changed it to a one. Because I rated La Yorona a 2. And that was more entertaining than I think that this movie probably will be. I, I think you're wrong. I think you would still, you would watch this movie and go, that
1: was a movie. I used I to think know. that
0: Cordy was the harshest, but it's definitely giving <laughs> it. I just, like, I yeah. can appreciate a bad movie for being bad. What I don't appreciate is a bad movie that thinks it's good. Okay. And that's just pretentious. I, I wanted to give it a two because Mindy Kaling deserves accolades. She does. She does. And it's just upsetting that this is the product that was put out. Yeah. And I so I I no, I couldn't give it a two. I gave it a one. I have no intention of seeing this movie. Okay. So I, that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: is mean. That's definitely too harsh in my book. Sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, well, I
0: gave
2: it Four. I thought about giving it a 5, because I'm not saying I would never watch this. I just feel like, I, again, I'm like the nicest of us in the rating system. You and are. So I was like, does it need a 5? I don't think it necessarily deserves
1: that. So I gave it a 4, because, again, you gotta be pretty bad to get a 3 from me. So I actually saw it, and I gave it a 5.5. Before I explained this, I was like, that movie... Was Probs a six mm-hmm. it was it's not a horrible movie. it It really is not a poorly made film, yeah, but in explaining it, I just can't award this film more because it made me mad to talk about. yeah, either way, this movie comes out to a three point five and Even though I gave it a 5.5, which was being very kind because I love Mindy, our average comes out to what I think it actually deserves, and I'm hoping you'll both agree, I think it deserves a Mm 3.5. I would agree. Like, give me a 1, that's mean, but I'm glad (laughs) that your score (laughs) evened mine out a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This was unfortunate. It really was. Mm -hmm. And that's coming from a hardcore Office fan, a feminist, a woman, I loved all of the elements of this movie, it was when they were built that I was like, hmm. Yeah. That yes. was bad. Those puzzle pieces really struggled there. Yeah, I thought I was like looking at a great puzzle, and then all of a sudden I put the pieces together and it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah. the turd emoji. <laughs> when really I was expecting like Starry Night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to close out the um, episode with. What are you adding to your watch list and what do you recommend this week? Yeah. Alrighty, so um, for my watch list, what I'm adding to it, I heard of this movie and then I was actually really excited to watch the trailer for it before late night. Very excited for the movie Yesterday. No, oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, okay. Yesterday is a movie about a musician who's struggling to make it, and I think something happens along the way of him making a wish yeah. or of wanting so desperately to just get by a
0: car. Or something.
1: something like that, of of wanting to make it as a musician. And instead, I think he gets hit by a car or something happens where when he wakes up, the Beatles never existed, but he remembers the Beatles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he becomes famous with all of the Beatles songs. And yeah. obviously that's going to be a struggle because you're eventually going to feel like a fraud, maybe after like three numbers. Right. But I think that looks really clever and... It's directed by Danny Boyle, who did oh, cool. Slumdog, Millionaire, and 127 Hours, and I like Danny Boyle's work a lot, and so I'm very excited to see that movie. Yeah, I'm excited about um, so yesterday, I think it comes out this week. And then, uh, my recommendation for the week, because we talked about female creators this week, and what I think just knocked it out of the park, Pen15 is the coolest concept imaginable. It is two women older than us. Yeah. Playing themselves as seventh graders. Yeah. And so they're, they're literally wearing binders around their boobs to, like, make themselves look younger. They've got these ridiculous haircuts and wigs. But everyone else that they've cast in the show is a 7th grader. Yeah. So it's like best of both worlds of 8th grade being, that's awesome because these characters are that age. And you're seeing authentic experiences, but this is just really autobiographical of them. But then they've cast themselves with all these other yeah. children, and these women are so funny, and the situations Aww. they get themselves into are just so on brand and so pure. Of yep, that's that's an experience right there. It's so good. It's so I was laughing well, that's out cool. loud. I've been wondering yeah.
2: about how because I knew about the concept and about mm-hmm. them being older than us and everything, but. I'm glad
1: to get a good
2: recommendation for it. That sounds really funny. I
1: really recommend it. Very funny and very cathartic. Cool. (laughs) And very sad and and, and just very authentic. I think a lot of people had certain experiences that were in the show. So that's my recommendation for the week. Alright,
2: so what I'm adding to my watch list, I really, maybe even with you, Courtney, because you were saying you don't remember much about this movie, but I don't know if you're interested. But I really got an inkling to rewatch Roger Rabbit after us talking about it last week. (laughs) An inkling now in my brain. Okay. Um, And then my recommendation, just because I was trying to think of something to tie to this episode, is The Night Before, because Mindy Kaling is in that. (laughs) The Night Before is really funny. It's, I think, should be like a new thing in people's Christmas rotation because (laughs) it's hilarious. Oh, great. And ends up actually having a lot of heart in it because... (gasps) um, I mean, something you find out in the very beginning of the movie is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's parents died in a car accident. I and think
1: that was in the trailer. Yeah. So okay. that's, like,
2: kind of what sparks the movie. So there's, like, these really sweet moments, yeah. but it's hilarious. And Mindy's in that, and she has funny bits also.
0: I didn't know that. I mean, like, I will add that to my Christmas rotation. <laughs> yeah. For me, for my watch list, I, I really had the urge to rewatch the Scooby Doo movie. Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just like. That's funny. That sounds like a good cast. I haven't <laughs> seen that in ages. I, I really want to watch it. Let's do
1: that back to back with Roger Rabbit. <laughs>
0: Linda I also would really like to watch Inglorious Bastards. I've never oh. seen that. You've oh, never seen Inglorious Bastards? It's like probably one of. My favorite, if oh, not wow. it's my favorite Tarantino. Favorite, Tarantino. Cool. And then I just saw a trailer for this this weekend. Um, it's a film called "Them That Follow." Out, comes out August second. That it's, sounds scary. It is a cult film. Oh. it's a film about a cult. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Give me that shit. I love cult films. This cast is amazing. It's Caitlin Dever. Oh it's cool. Walton Goggins, uh, Olivia Coleman, guys. Oh, my gosh. Queen. Olivia queen. Coleman! Literally a queen. And she, like, chain smokes in the trailer. It's great. Thomas Mann is in it. Oh, I love him. Jim Gaffigan is in oh. it. Oh. That uh, girl. Is this a comedy? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But it looks fucking cool. I'm scared awesome. it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm, I promise you it's not a comedy. <laughs> Anyways... I would like to, um... I I'm want sh- to see a video now. I'm sure yeah. that we've recommended this on the podcast before, but I'd really like to recommend Short Term 12. Ooh. That's a great movie about a woman in a workplace. That has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman, and it's fantastic.
2: So next week, it's going to be Kimmy and I explaining a movie to Courtney. I mean, We really don't know what to expect, and we're really excited because none of us three have seen this movie. It is a cult
0: classic, apparently.
1: Yeah. The crow, everyone. Get ready! I hope all of our listeners just went "Ah!" I hope everyone (laughs) just went what is your genre podcast? We don't have one. Actually, that's kind of fun because it's like we've done superhero, we've done comedy, we've done rom-com. No animated yet. I guess if you have a certain genre you want us to tackle, let us know. True that.
0: Comment on our Instagram or Twitter. Call us, (laughs) beep us, if you want to reach us. That's a great way to end it. Well, well, no. Uh. Nope, we're ending with that. <laughs> <laughs>